Welcome to episode 140 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features Jake Keenom. He's a wood craftsman who makes custom crossbows and recurve bows. He has a really interesting story of, um, of getting into working with wood and building structures in his youth and how that's evolved over time into his own personal interests. It's amazing when I get to meet people and listen to stories of people's lives who have taken an interest and followed that interest, engaged with it, played with it so much that they kind of nail down what they love. And they're able to reiterate that idea over and over and over again to create something that they can share with other people. Something that can enrich other people's experiences, improve their life, give them joy. And the result sometimes is that those, that craftsperson, that person who makes the thing, that the art or the functional service that they provide, they get to provide for their own livelihood. They get to provide for their families off of doing this thing that they really enjoy that people get value out of. In short, that's why I think Jake's so cool, man. And ladies, he makes bows and crossbows that people can get years and years of joy out of and meaning. If you want to check out any of his stuff, you can go to otherworldsarchery.com and find him at Instagram, other underscore worlds underscore archery. Be sure to leave the links to all that in the show notes. Um, Wow. I'm looking outside my window right now and I have a bunch of trees that lose their leaves in the winter and it's in the middle of winter here in Washington and the wind is just whipping through them. It's supposed to be 50 mile an hour winds. Without the leaves and being able to see the individual trees, there's just so much character and tension at play. <laughs> it's beautiful. Anyway... um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did with Jake. Um, he makes some really cool art, and his attention to detail is pretty amazing. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to over to becominghumanpodcast.com, and you can leave a comment, share it with your friends, and you can rate it on your favorite podcast app like iTunes. This episode was brought to you by um, Daily Stoic. Daily Stoic is a short five-minute podcast or email newsletter that arrives in your inbox or your application every day of the week with some very short and succinct information that can help you improve your life. I love how Ryan Holiday takes the um, information of the Stoics and finds a way to relate it to our modern day which isn't that hard because honestly not much has changed um and gives you things that you can do to actually make a difference all right without any further ado here's jake all right so could you tell me about um what your profession is uh well so i guess you'd say i'm a i'm a carpenter general remodeler uh type of guy i started out in finishing and i've been doing uh uh, like, uh, just, you know, painting, restoration, renovation from the time I was a little kid. Um, let's see. I started out in construction in Hawaii 
And what we, what we would do at the time, when I say we, the contractors that I would work for would do is they would, they would find these old buildings like on the side of, uh, on the side of sliding, you know, volcano vents. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So there's, uh, there's, there's a place, uh, where there were basically all the houses on the side of the hill were sliding downhill. Oh my God. And, and it's a slow process. There's like, there's like a weird stilt construction that goes on in Hawaii. That's uh, like, like these footings with stilts and, and on the s- slide downhill because of what they're built upon. Yeah. The, the, like the soil or whatever is just continually moving. Yeah. It's unstable. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, so there's a lot of places yeah, where there's, well, in general, the soil in Hawaii is, is kind of unstable because it's an, it's a little Island and it's still kind of moving, you know, mm-hmm. and people, it's easy. Uh, it's easy to think like, well, we get a lot, this is a total sidebar, but we get a lot of these uh like military guys will come and they go like oh look at that mountain i'm gonna rock climb that mountain yeah like i would on some granite and it's not that so you get about halfway up and you realize this is not there's nowhere to put my hands it's coming apart in my hands Whoa, and so regularly wow. yeah when i was a kid we'd get these guys that'd go up and they'd and all of us kids we would climb these mountains our whole lives and we'd mm-hmm. watch these guys going up like oh no this has been and helicopters would come eventually and oh pull my god and this would happen like a couple times a year for sure Whoa. so that's like the the land there is just it's it's in motion you know yeah, it's, it's these, super volatile yeah yeah it uh-huh. is yeah and that's like a did, kind of a good metaphor for the the area itself, you know. It really is. <laughs> did they have um, Did they have like pretty good uh, building tactics to 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 mitigate that or no. eliminate that? No, it was terrible. So when they first built these homes back in the in the plantation days, uh, they were just kind of whipping them up and and putting them up, and they were all single wall. Like if you got lucky and you were in a good stable area, it would work out. But a lot of times the foundations, well, if there was a foundation at all, would just Mm -hmm. crack. And so a lot of times there'd just be like little footings and they'd build it on a footing. Mm -hmm. What's a footing? Just, just, just basically a little pillar of concrete in the ground. Oh, wow. So they just dig out like, like a post hole, basically like a big post hole and just pour concrete in it and put a, put a wood post on there and just go for it. Isn't that kind of problematic too? Because then like, as opposed to being one fat square of like foundation, these individual ones, it'd be hard for it to be level. Yeah. And then for the structure to not like warp. Yeah, exactly. And even if they did, so on the side of these hills, sometimes they would put a foundation in there and it would be like a, like a four inch slab, which mm-hmm. is nothing on the side of a, a mountain like that. Wow. So what we would do, um, uh, is we'd go and we'd basically put the house, we'd drill holes, jack up the house, put it on, on posts on these, on these jack posts and uh, and dig out the entire foundation and repour it. So we dig out the foundation, you know, like for a, a full foundation with a with a footing and 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 repour it, mm-hmm. and and then put the house back down on top of that. Now, one of the first jobs. This is super interesting. One of the first jobs I did uh, was on the side of a, a crater in in Hawaii, and it was uh, uh, basically. Well, so we didn't know this as kids. It was me and a bunch of my friends. We we're all like 15, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And we're digging up, we're digging up all this stuff and we're, we're breaking out the, the concrete and getting it all out of there. And we start digging into the, into the ground to make the new foundation. And we dug down about a foot or two and then started finding all these bones. Whoa. Yeah, all these little bones. And then we, we, uh, so we started collecting them and then we started finding like little, uh, memorabilia, like little, uh, we found a, a cigarette case. We found some rings. We found Whoa. a bunch of bottles. We started finding like a horse hoof or just weird stuff. That's like, what is all this? And then at one point, I was I was in the middle of having an argument with a friend. I was like, I just found a bone. I swore it was a finger digit. Oh and I was like, God. this is a fucking human finger yeah. bone for sure. And my friend's like, that's a chicken bone. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I was going down with the mud gun, which is just like a jackhammer with a shovel on it. So going through the, the mud and I... 
I pulled it, pulled it back and I got the bisection, like the cross section of a human skull, right oh along the face, <laughs> right through the skull and pulled it out. And like two eyes and a nose are right there, like in the middle of this conversation. Whoa. Like, like, okay, well, uh, who wins that bet? Oh, you yeah, know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I got, I got in this one. So we ended up finding like eight other bodies in there. Wow. And uh, dug them up. Well, so it was like more like seven and a half. Mm-hmm. So the first one we, and I'll, the, the first one we dug up had a, a cigarette case right on the breast and then mm-hmm. buttons and we could see all the, just everything that was there. Yeah. But inside of the cigarette case, it said to love, uh, with love to Elmo. And so we named them all Elmo because uh-huh. we just didn't, you know, if one was obviously a, a woman because of what she had with her, we, you know, it was like El- Elma and yeah. Elmo. So we had like seven and a half Elmos. <laughs> and ha- the last half was the part that we left the foundation and was sticking out of the foundation. And we uncovered it like archaeologists uh-huh. and laid next to it and like pulled our skinny 15 year old, you know, uh-huh. showed our, our, pulled our shirts up and showed our skinny rib cages next to it. And like, <laughs> so disrespectful. Oh but <laughs> looking back, that we, that's total cancel material right there but so all these people were were basically mass buried from from the you know like plague era Whoa. on the side of these hills yeah yeah that's crazy yeah that's pretty nuts and it's actually it's actually right by one of the biggest military uh, uh graveyards it's on the same anyway oh, so yeah man. that was that was some of my first stuff in con- in construction is uh doing that kind of stuff and wow. so that was like you know 14 15 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just summers at 14 and by like 15, by 16, I was full time because I was like a runaway. Uh-huh. Like, oh, really? Uh, yeah. High Whoa. school dropout, full blown runaway. You're just not into school? Yeah. Or? You know what? It's, it's, uh, it's just a different style of learning yeah. than, than I, than my brain is wired to do. Uh huh. And school was never able to deal with that. Yeah. Like, so I started out as a little kid, uh, uh, completely like couldn't, couldn't write, um, it's interesting because they, my, the way my mom tells it, I don't know, you know, this is my mom's, my mom's story really yeah. that I'm, I'm saying now. It's not even my story because mm-hmm. I don't remember it. But from what she says, I was writing like backwards and upside down and weird and yeah. she didn't know what was going on with me. And, uh, and, uh, and after a while, I think she kind of got the clue that it might be dyslexia mm-hmm. and the school had me in like the special education class held back by yeah. first grade. So, oh, wow. yeah. So I was in the special ed version of our, of our school kind of getting the, the special treatment, which, yeah. you know. It would have been awesome if that's what I needed, but it's uh-huh. not what I needed. Dang. And then my mom came into school and said, like, hey, I think this kid's dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Can we at least get a specialist? And this is out on the north shore of Oahu, and it was impossible at the time. So, But there was there's Kahuku Hospital nearby, and they ended up sending a, a lady out a couple, times, a couple times a week for a while, and she worked with me and got me back on track. And I remember some of that oh. stuff. I remember kind of some of the lessons. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was mostly like trying to keep things in your mind like as you look from a chalkboard down to the paper, trying to like keep like, like C. I remember oh, this one yeah. specifically. A C is like a telephone. If you were to answer the telephone, which hand would you hold it with? And it was like, oh, I would grab, I, w- I had a natural inclination. You know, uh-huh. So there's like a connection to making your brain between all the letters and the way they went. Yeah. And you have to like go through it one oh, at a time. Oh, that makes sense. Because I remember I would get my D's and B's mixed up and then they would say like bed, right? Yeah. And yeah, if yeah, you yeah. put your, your, your uh, thumbs up on each 
finger and then right. put your knuckles together, then you could see the B on the left and then the D on the right. Yeah. But like, I remember too. there's a thing that's strange. There is there's a, a patterning there. Yeah. And like, I have to have that structure to where right now I can say B and instantaneously I can recall the letter B in my head Yeah. for people though, who are like adults and mm. it's like, that's so out of reach in jujitsu. I've experienced mm. that to where it's like, here's an arm bar mm-hmm. and maybe only after like a year mm-hmm. <laughs> for some weird reason, because an armbar is pretty easy to explain. It's mm-hmm. simple. I can imagine an armbar in my head. Mm-hmm. It took me very long time That's to like wild, right? recall yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. So that has actually so dyslexia is not you know curable or mm-hmm. solvable, but That's you can learn workarounds, right? Like yeah, yeah. So so I was able to once and and this is like how cool is Jake? Here's the story. Uh, mm-hmm. So once I was able to actually figure that out. I went from not not really reading or writing at all to reading all the books in our elementary school. What? By second grade, they were like bringing in books from the, the high school and then they went to the Kahuku library and started bringing in more books for me and a couple of kids. But uh, I went through everything they could give me and I read everything I could. Wow. And like almost, and people say this, but kind of burnt out on fiction by the time I was 22 or 23. Yeah. I was like, I'd almost had enough of fiction in general. But yeah, I almost read everything I could. Not to say I've read everything, but yeah, I've read exactly. a lot of the classics and I've, you know, I've, I've gone You're through You're voracious and hungry. Yeah. yeah. And, wow. and now I don't really read anything that's not just solid fact. Like yeah. How to do the, you know? Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Cycles, man. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And so do, when you when you think about then, like if you could recall that, um, did you did you have a disposition towards education or like going to school at that time? No, or? I hate I hated it because yeah. school is all about for for me. My brain does not remember uh, names and dates and times exactly. Mm-hmm. And like like I can do you like Dan Carlin? Yeah, yeah. So that that's how my brain works. Ah. Like the story that sticks. Like that stick sticks. It's mm-hmm. in my brain forever because I I there was information I was wanting and needing and it filled in. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like creating a structure to have information compiled within is really the only way I can I can work. I have to have the need or the want to have that information. Yeah. But once I do, the pertinent information that, that makes the shape yeah, whatever exactly. however you want to say it, that that sticks forever. That sticks for mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And it's it's mechanical in a sense. And once I once I see something and how it works and back to jujitsu, mm-hmm. it's like once you get the concepts and start seeing them, we were just saying a second ago, push pull. Yeah. Once you see that push pull and you can realize how that lever, how that leverage really works, like like just recently going over with uh, with Morgan, some of this, some of my like uh, some of my defense getting getting out of mount, which is one of my terrifying positions to be in not mm-hmm. really but it especially if a guy's big it like throws my game out the window you know? yeah what the hell yeah, what i don't know do? i'm just yeah. like squished yeah exactly you know? i'm just like mm-hmm. a dumb kid squished under this dude yeah <laughs> yeah but once i started getting that like the idea of that like that shin lever and like really starting mm-hmm. to really work like that you start to see it everywhere yeah. yeah somebody's coming at you and you're like oh i can i can actually pull them further into their thing with mm-hmm. my two legs and just drop them down and get on their back. Like, look at that. And that's the difference between like understanding something and knowing something. Right. Right. right, like, right yeah. Right. Yeah. Those levels of knowledge. Right. There's like, and so this is, this is the whole thing about education. So back to construction, you know, when I got to construction, I was like, this is some shit I understand. Mm. I can see this a mile away. Like, mm-hmm. like I know how this works. Oh yeah. If I remove this post, I'm obviously in trouble, you know? So yeah. going and doing demo as a kid, like smashing walls out of a house with a, a uh-huh. sledgehammer, like, like, okay, definitely don't touch that. There's, you can like feel how much pressure there is on the thing. You just yeah. hit it. You're like, okay, that's, there's some, there's, we call it like, there's some heat on that, that one, you know? Oh you don't want to fuck yeah. With it. Yeah. It's like, it holds a structure. Up yeah, there. yeah. 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 So oh, like wow. just that, that mechanical knowledge was always really easy for me. So yeah. And then, and then back in school, it was like, yeah, 
know, everybody in class move together in lockstep. <laughs> everybody remember this thing. Look at the board. Don't forget to have your thing in by this time. And my brain just rejected all that completely. I just mm. could not. Mm-hmm. I, I, the atmosphere was not, it was not possible for me to thrive. I could always get a D mm-hmm. and then the rest of the time I was drawing. I was just drawing mm-hmm. on my desk. I was drawing in a, in a book. Mm-hmm. And so I would just draw. And then by the time I got to high school, it was, it was just drawing, waiting to get out of school so I could go practice with my punk rock band. Oh, you had a punk rock band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, we, were all, we were all a bunch of little punk rockers. Um, back, back in the days when it really wasn't that cool. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, before. <laughs> it's like the super hipster thing. I was yeah. punk rock before it's cool, bro. Yeah, yeah exactly. Before, <laughs> before it became the antithesis what the punk rock movement well, was. Well, like, it's true. Cause like I'm 47 and in high school, it was all, everybody was into like the cherry, cherry lowriders and like the mm-hmm. bubblegum like music. Yeah, exactly. It was just all that, that feel. And anybody going outside of that, me and a handful of kids, you know, friends, we all did the, Mohawks and like just the mm-hmm. crazy stuff and in Hawaii at the time really? that was like come kick our asses please yeah, that was like super fringe culture right there yeah. wasn't even a place to like much to belong or like a coolness to it yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. no it's so wow. bizarre that we I, I don't know why we decided to I mean we're all just weirdos that that you know got together anyway it reminds me a lot of jiu-jitsu actually yeah it kind of does too because now that you say that i'm like yeah i remember being like that when i was a kid and then yeah. i'm like oh yeah and then with jiu-jitsu kind of the same yeah. thing like, it is yeah. right it is because like i mean every even when you find a, a seemingly normal person in jiu-jitsu there's always there's some reason for that mm-hmm. yeah you know like normal people will look at you like why are you doing that why, mm-hmm. why do you you know why would you want to do that it doesn't make any sense yeah like, exactly because nothing you say can touch me yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> like ever you know yeah like, i know what it's like to almost die yeah. every morning you know like mm-hmm. I, I know that line you don't this doesn't bother me at yeah, all and yeah and for, for me it's like i i have this thing where those experiences like something that i found when doing jujitsu is uh, when i in my youth i'd like longed for a a like a a connection with people and a sense yeah. of belonging yeah and like it didn't really work out for me in terms of like school religion um or, yeah. or any of those kinds of things right. um like i really rejected all of that and i feel like i never belonged in there and yeah. then in my family like with the the kind of activities we would do it's mm-hmm. like uh my family was just, uh I wasn't around, like, it was just my mom and I for a really long time. Was your family religious? Um, no, they weren't. They lived in California, and my mom um, moved her and I up to Washington, and then we moved to a, a small, we went from the Bay Area to a small town of 300 in Idaho, and, like, we didn't wow, have any family up there at change, all. Yeah, yeah, it was, and she didn't know how to take care of herself in the, like, start her own fire. She didn't know about plowing, that you had to plow your own road or else mm-hmm. you don't get out. Mm-hmm. We had bears denning at the foot of our driveway, like, <laughs> yeah, all this wild stuff, and, like, it was, uh, I had, so I didn't really have anybody to confide in. I was in this town of 300, not very many kids. The school I went to was like 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't have TV, didn't have, yeah. you know, cinema, all those things. So it's just me, essentially. And um, because of because of that, how would I say that? Like, the, not having that sense of belonging, yeah. I found that I was, for some reason or another, really obsessive about finding some sense of, like, belonging and community yeah. and I went for relationships in that way mm-hmm. I was like a stepdad when I was 13 or 14 mm-hmm. and then like I had my son when I was 17 um, and then I got married then yeah but I found that even through those relationships that that thing that I was trying to avoid I was trying to fill um, it would only get bigger and bigger and bigger yeah and like turn into desperation and all these things right mm-hmm. um, and then if you start a family from that reactionary place without figuring out what that discomfort is it's yeah. like very hard to build upon that right 
Right. Well, hold on, mate. Sorry, yeah, my yeah. brain is still trying to catch something here. No, so you said you were a stepdad at 13 or 14? Yeah. Yeah. What? My girlfriend was a senior in school, and we had a daycare in our school because I went to an alternative yeah. school. And, like... I just got out of a relationship that like, I lost my virginity in, and I really wanted to get into another relationship. Dude, you just and blew my fucking she's mind. She's like, <laughs> I, for some reason, we're like, I want to be, she wanted, I got into a relationship with this girl. And how old was she? And she was 19. Okay. And then All I right. moved in with her in a month. You're because like, yeah. The thing was, yeah. I was like, yeah. And their friends would All be like, friends are like, holy shit, yeah. you're the man. You're like, you're robbing the cradle, man. <laughs> and well, the whole thing when I got into that Jeez. high school, when I was mo- when I moved there at that time, I went to the alternative school because I got expelled because I overdosed and failed the drug test at the other school. I got put in the paper um, when I overdosed. My friends at the time, they were the seniors in the school. Overdosed on what? Um, I overdosed on, there was like Lortabs next to tryptophan, and then I had alcohol poisoning. So that's like uppers and downers? Yeah, and I drank a fifth and a half of vodka, and I was like... Revealing my my knowledge of pharmacology. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting, man. That is super interesting. Yeah. That's so... Where was mom during all that? Um, She was just, she was home, but like dealing with like... Like coming in and out How many of brothers and sisters? And, and alcoholism. Uh, one brother, one sister, but okay. I hadn't, they stayed in, in California. No, I'm the youngest. Oh, and, and they stayed in, oh, yeah. they're older. They, okay. By okay. the time I was five, they all Your mom was like out. over it. She's like, whatever, I'm, I've yeah. had it with kids. Yeah, yeah. well, exactly. Because she was, I was never supposed to be born because she had a hysterectomy. Uh, and then, yeah. Wait, what, dude, this is getting <laughs> weirder and weirder by the minute. That's insane. Yeah, so she had a hysterectomy and then she got in a relationship with my dad. She had a, a kid, which was her daughter, who was like, Stealing, 12 years old, stealing stuff, running with the vatos, and then, like, selling meth, too. And then there's my brother, but my dad had a son with another girl. Yeah. But she's he's with my mom. And, you know, he's raising him. And then um, she had a hysterectomy, and they weren't using protection. And one thing led to another, and she went to go in for the doctors, and they're like, hey, you're pregnant. Wait, like, so, so did you just, like... Okay, this stretches yeah. credulity. How, yeah. how in the world do you get pregnant with no? I, I don't understand uterus? how. Like, I think it's or no, maybe not hysterectomy, maybe tubes oh. tied. Oh, oh, is that oh, what yeah, that yeah, is? Yeah, 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 tubes yeah. You tied. just said yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. my brain can just yeah, calm sorry, down. Sorry, but that, I, yeah. I was like, you just so, told me there's like that's like virgin <laughs> conception. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> I think so. Tubes tied, and then she made got a hysterectomy. Gotcha. That does on. happen. Sometimes they have a third. Yeah. Or sometimes it just yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Like yeah, there's somebody in my family has a third ureter, which is like the thing that comes from the kidney to the bladder. So oh, tubes, what? like it's not. What is it, that? I don't understand. Ureter is so you have your kidney, and uh-huh. then there's a tube that goes down to your bladder, and uh-huh. the bladder goes out. Oh, okay. So the ureter sometimes there'll just be more tubes. Sometimes Ooh. the tube will come off the first tube and reconnect. People Whoa. are not as, and this is something. If you talk to surgeons, like if you make friends with anybody who yeah. is inside of human bodies regularly, uh-huh. they'll tell you it's not as cut and dry as you might think. It's oh, people really? are weird, man, and stuff is not all. Uh, that's why they don't like to do MRIs when they don't have to, because you can find something that's completely unusual. That's fine. I've always wondered about that because the the human body is not like, or just anything. Nothing's yeah. perfect, right? Yeah. And everything has yeah. variation to it. Yeah, so yeah, I've yeah. like, I've wondered, and then people telling me about what it's like with surgeries, where you see them where they pull out. Like a, if they're pulling out organs yeah. and they just are literally just you know, stuffing it, stuffing back, back in. in there. And it's like, <laughs> is there any order to this? It's just, hmm. 
Well, I think the body has its own way of kind of like readjusting Sussing that everything stuff. Out. Well, pick, yeah, sense well the cells me. that were used to being together find their way back together. Exactly. Or whatever. I don't know. Dude, bodies are kind of a mystery, right? They, they really are. And that's what you find out with like nutrition and, and with all these things yeah. is that like the real truth is, is that we kind of have somewhat of an understanding, but yeah. we don't really know. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's like, and that's why when you have like the, like two extremes, carnivore diet and vegan diet, right. both can't be true at the same time. Right. And so if both are true, that means none of them are exactly right. true. Well, so this is kind of a good metaphor for mm -hmm. just thinking in general. And, and like, uh, you know, pe people will come up with the, this is the truth because this is the way I figured things out. Right. But the reality is, hey, something might like uh, I noticed once when I was younger, when I had long, had long hair down to my down to my middle of my back, <laughs> I had a ponytail and I was like, it's weird. Sometimes I'll wash my hair with something like new and also mm -hmm. my hair is like amazing. Like, yeah. perfect. And the thing I've been using forever doesn't work. It's like change is good too. Yeah. You know, just something different your body will react to or just will have a, a, an effect that's, you know, it's a, it's a weird way to get into mm -hmm. that. But, but it's true. Like you could eat, you know, if you eat one way for a certain amount of time, your body gets probably kind of gets sick of it and you change it up. It's like a new kind of stress yeah. and your body has to adjust. Mm -hmm. So it like gets back in gear and adjusts. So I think these like, you could do carnivore diet. You could probably do, you know, like, like to go totally vegan and notice a difference. You could go like any number of different ways and probably have a huge effect. And well, like, oh, I, this is the way, but see, you can, then people get caught into this. That's the identify way. with the that's way. the way. This is the only way. And they yeah, proselytize yeah, yeah. the way. And right. it's like, oh, but you could. So here's the thing with that. And maybe I'm generalizing it too much, but this is a thought that I, that I've had was I'm trying to learn more about injuries and stuff yeah. that I think you can generalize that to almost most things, yeah. um, physically and psychologically, mm -hmm. because I think that's the dynamics of, um, stress, mm -hmm. hypertrophy mm -hmm. and injury. Right. And like, cause like usually if it's like, if you, you have an amount of stress, right. And it's count trauma as injury, emotional or physical trauma. Mm -hmm. If like, if you have the, this call, like, here's one for psychology. Hermetic, um, you're talking about hermetic stress versus, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like small amounts of regular, regular stress from that are, that are, that the organism is made to take. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where, like, so I have one where um, post PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, they have a thing with that, that's coming out with one of my friend, Aaron Guyette. He, um, he does like battle ropes exercises and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He's like the guy who like teaches a lot of classes in the United States. Yeah. Um, he's working with some other like, uh, seals or something, mm -hmm. um, or retired seals as a, and doing a private organization that, uh, focuses on post-traumatic growth and post-traumatic growth is, is where you're introduced to these increasingly stressful events mm -hmm. to be able to. Um, improve your own interpersonal skills right, right and he, right. he's talking about you know you you might think of a seal and trying to become a navy seal for all of this growth in character right like mm -hmm. think of like david goggins jocko willing mm -hmm. and like tim kennedy maybe yeah. but like those to put yourself mm -hmm. to the, your edge and to go out to the edge of your disc uncomfort zone you don't literally have to it's not like debunking like the service or anything like that for people out there who want to commit to that but you don't have to sign your life away right. and, and go through all of this and potentially putting yourself in traumatic situations or do something you don't really want to do yeah. to elicit this growth and there's right. actual ways to like not simulate a buds but also simulate a buds yeah. and you think about like you know putting yourself through these challenging experiences in order to improve your, your own self yeah. and like 
if you look at it physically, like, you know, that's how hormetic stress works with yeah. exercise. Yeah. But like, if you look at, um, I think it's immersion therapy or like, if you're afraid of the water, if you're right. afraid of elevators, you know how they fix that? Right. You expose yourself to it. Yeah. In, the in exposure therapy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and so if, if that's true psychologically, yeah. then I would look at that thing. Well, oh, that's interesting that that's true physically. Right. And then, you know what I have to, to combat or to bring that up. Cause like we could talk about exposure therapy, but guess what? A lot of people don't have maybe don't have phobias so it might be hard to relate and you're like well right what is it what's holding me back it's hard to even know right so when i go climbing though the thing that happens is is you find this with this is almost everybody is that if you put them up next to an edge Mm -hmm. their their mind just turns on yeah and what happens is is most people are afraid of heights it's a human thing so if you go rock climbing you think oh must not be afraid of heights not generally the case. Right. Most of the time. If you're not afraid of heights, you're probably going to die. That's exactly the thing. <laughs> but you know what happens over time? Yeah. Is over time, through the psychological hormetic stress, you don't necessarily don't become not afraid of heights, but your ability to manage fear grows. Yeah, man. Uh, doing construction, we've I've done so many scaffold jobs and high jobs and swing stage jobs. I'm certified. Uh-huh. I've done like swing stage off 40-story buildings in Hawaii. Whoa. And, Man, there's times when something just like makes a noise. Mm-hmm. When you're, you're hanging off a 40 stories swing oh, stage, you're gosh. like, the wind is blowing and something makes an extra creak. You're like, uh, and that panic response yeah. will fill you with adrenaline. And yeah. adrenaline can do one of two things. It can it can make you like super reactive, super precise and quick, mm-hmm. or it can just shut you down. You can just yeah. shake yourself really hard. And that's that balance between the, and I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily, but that's that balance between where it goes too much. Yeah. And it's like, I just got shut down right. to live another day or try again. But, the, the, but then the more times you get it, so like on, on the swing stage yeah. uh, 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 metaphor, so you're up there and the more times that happens, like the first time you're up there, people would get paralyzed with fear. I'll, and I'll have to deal with that with a partner, like training somebody. Yeah. You have a second person cause it's two motors. And so you just have to like deal, deal with them and wait for them to, to get back, you know, psychologically. No, don't touch anything. Just hang on. Wow. Just hang on. Just watch people. Just calm down. Okay. Take it easy. Take a deep breath. And the more times you go through that. Then you start to realize these aren't big deals, you know, that yeah. these sounds aren't a big deal. And you start to, and even when you do get one of those, you ha- you handle it faster. Isn't it weird though that, that like, so you have these things where the sounds come up and those are completely irrational and you realize yeah. that your fear is not necessarily rational even. Right. Like these feelings that feel very real and in your face, yeah. it could just happen for no reason at all. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, then what I would say is I would flip that to your day to day life. Like if you don't put yourself in this extreme situation, how much of the fears that are operating your, your, your choice or that are pushing you and pulling you in your choices, how much of those are actually real? And how do you even test those and understand if they are? Cause they feel real. Did I really, I think there's a, there's a mathematical truth that is, that is in, in, I don't know if you're familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, a little bit, Uh, but I'm not, I, I, I grew up around it. Uh, I really like, uh, something that they have, that they have a lot of it. It's not from them, but I've, I heard it. There is the serenity prayer. Uh, God grant me the serenity uh, uh, to accept the things I cannot change, to change the things I cannot accept, and the wisdom to know the difference. There's almost a mathematical principle there if you look at it. So uh, there's a certain amount of my life that I have control of mm-hmm. and a certain amount I don't. And I have to learn to accept the amount I don't have control of. Mm-hmm. And I have to have the will to actually change what I, what I can control, oh, that man. I want to. But the real key is in the wisdom to know the difference between what I can change and what I can't change. Oh, wow. And if you think about that principle, that that the underlying whatever it is, coefficient or whatever the the, the formula there is, it mm-hmm. applies to so many things. It's like, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, shit is going to come up and it's going to be scary. 
and what can I do about it? You know, is it better for me to run headlong into this problem and spend this human life mm. on this problem that I may not be able to affect, mm -hmm. or I might just be a drop in the bucket? Or is it, you know, is that something I should just be accepting? Mm -hmm. and, and then really, dude, you can run into, there's a whole, like for me, there's years of just contemplating that acceptance part of it. Yeah. And that's really the, I, that's so huge to just start there mm -hmm. because true acceptance, it's, it's a different kind of thing. You have to number one, accept that you're, you're not here forever. Yeah. And, and that's, that's terrifying. If you, if you're, it's not terrifying to people who haven't really conceived it, but if you've seen death or mm -hmm. been around death, it can be terrifying. It yeah. can be super terrifying just to see the lights go off on a, on a human body. Like just what mm -hmm. I can just turn off. Yeah, I can really just turn off and that could be the end of the story here. Mm -hmm. And to really accept that, I think it puts you in a place of power. Yeah, like a of real power, because mm -hmm. you realize I think that I'm going to get into this just for a second, but yeah, I, I have yeah. a sort of a deathbed life theory that I think you should live from the from the deathbed. You should live. You should be talking to that person. Just imagine there's no time. You're all the things you ever are going to be or ever were. And you can talk to that person you should be projecting forward and you should be thinking like, what does that, does that person approve? Does that guy dying there on that bed, whatever, wherever it is, or, you know, in that fiery wreck, whatever mm -hmm. it is, yeah. does he approve of what I'm doing right now? Mm. Is this, does this make a difference to this life? Does this have anything to do with this story? Mm. Or am I just spending my life? Am I, am I not seeing, am I not, do I not have the wisdom to see that I'm just spending my life in a way that's not helping me? Mm. Am I chasing some kind of dream that someone else's dream or society's dream? I mean, that's hard stuff to untangle, but mm -hmm. it can be simplified for me. If I just go, I can see myself there and I have a very good, I have a good line of communication to that guy now at this point, mm -hmm. and it, totally delusional. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just want to, I want to know that when I am there, I can look back and go, these moments weren't wasted. These were good. This is yeah. good. Spending my life that way is useful. You know? well, you, if you look at it, like their time is the only non-renewable resource. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, and if you look at like, well, I only have so much money. And it's like, well, no, all the money that you ever ascertain is in exchange for time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and, and that's what I reflect on a lot where I, I look at my life and I experience these, like certain comforts. Right. Yeah. And all I <clears throat> realize is, is that there's so much potential in your life that yeah. you can experience. And if you, if you don't put yourself out there, there's also the lack of potential, right? Like I could like, I, I could literally nothing entirely wrong with this for someone else. Right. But I could watch Netflix and YouTube. I can get caught up in watching sitcoms yeah. for the rest of my life. And I know people who actually do to the point where like they're, th this is a generalized, and this might sound really gross, but I'm not like, I'm not trying to criticize anybody, but I have a person in mind. And a person that I even know, yeah. they like watch lots of Judge Judy and watch like sitcoms and stuff. <laughs> Judge Judy's hilarious. They, I know I love Judge Judy, <laughs> but they do that to that's the yeah. the thing to look forward to after they're done providing for themselves. Yeah. And it's like the one thing that I see is like that you see the physical deterioration and, mm -hmm. and like the all all of these things. Yeah. Um, and I, when I was growing up watching people in the restaurant industry, chasing nascent pleasures, watching yeah. Yeah. people at home, chasing nascent pleasures yeah. and like, there's just like atrophy, just yeah. whether it's like psychological, emotional or physical atrophy. Absolutely. And I was afraid because looking at that in the long term, it just seems so monotonous. Yeah. And like, so I say that because I'm not like, oh, I could do it better. Look at me doing it. But yeah, it's no, like this no, thing no, inside I, I, of yeah. me that like I 
get, I couldn't even put myself there if I tried. If you, I, I feel like, yeah, just what you're saying makes me think like, if you consume all these images of greatness or these, mo- you know, these great moments or whatever, you just mm-hmm. become this consumer of images and, and thoughts and feelings. Like, like watching shows, it's super awesome, dude. And I love, yeah. I've watched Office 15 times. Oh, later, yeah. I'll watch it again with my kid. Like, we love yeah, it. And the Golden Girls. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I love all that old <laughs> shit, too. That's what, and dude, I fall asleep almost every night to have some old Star Trek watching Captain Yeah. Kirk. I love that shit. It's so funny. It's a different era and it's just like a window into the past that we can't get exactly way. man but but yeah if you i feel like anything can become an addiction right mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think addictions are are it's just behavior like there's mm-hmm. a you, like you say comfort zones you put yourself into a place where you you are getting into a certain kind of comfort zone your body starts wanting that more mm-hmm. and more and whether that comfort zone is lying about who you are at a certain mm-hmm. moment in life uh and, and keeping you from like opening up to people or or it's or it's not taking the move to whatever, like like talk to the boss about a raise, yeah, you know, whatever it is, you know, uh, not tell not not tell your girlfriend what you really think about her music, you know, mm-hmm. whatever those moments are, it's easy to get into a, a comfortable place, and but I feel like. You know, there's the other side of it too, right? You can go like you can get into jujitsu so much that you get addicted addicted to that. Yeah, and that's that's and I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. That's like you know some obsessions. Have have a great product yeah. that comes out the other <laughs> side. It's so like with the bows. Like I am literally obsessed with being in my shop and working on these things. And I can, I if I went in at five in the morning mm-hmm. with like rubbing crusts out of my eyes, I could keep going until you know five the next morning and not eat or drink and forget about yeah. it. It could happen. So I have to be really mindful and just go like, hey, the hours have passed. You need to drink water, stupid. You know, yeah. like come on. And that, that, like that flow state, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that's like the real, the real popular way to put it. But I just feel like, man, so, some things are just, you know, you can try and try and try and it's not working. And then, it, and then when, like archery is a great, a great example of this, you know, you're like, like trying to get that bullseye and then you hit it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just that feeling. Like, yeah. Oh, once you, so once you start obsessing over that, then you become mm-hmm. a great archer. Yeah. You know, but if you start obsessing over that, that comfort zone or getting into your comfort zone, like, mm-hmm. oh man, I had like, do you, do you really think back the next day? Like sometimes probably like, man, I had a great buzz. That was really funny. I was laughing to myself mm-hmm. watching my show or yeah. maybe with my partner whatever. But, but what's, you know, are, on your deathbed, are you going to look back at that moment watching that show? And that's going to run into all those other moments. Yeah, exactly. It's just going to all be one mush. Well, there's this saying that I really like, which I forgot who said it. Definitely not me, but uh, it's easy choices, um, hard life. Yeah. Hard choices, easy life. Yeah. yeah. And like what I've found that feeds into is there's an interesting dynamic that I find with instant gratification, delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. And now, so I would, I would actually change that. The gratification, I mean, it means the same thing, but like instant pleasure and delayed pleasure. Yeah. Um, what I think is, is that you, you say that and you see just pleasure, pleasure, but I'd say like, pleasure, discomfort or discomfort, pleasure. Right. And like, whenever I do jujitsu, whenever I maybe even go into a social situation, stand up for comedy or what, there's all these like, that's awesome. I want to try that. That's so awesome. Even like when you build something new, like there's, when you do that, Mm -hmm. the initial experience Mm -hmm. is more likely, not always (laughs) is, um, is discomfort. Mm -hmm. And then the payoff 
is comfort yeah. and, or reward or, you know, reward, this feeling like, is, you know, yeah. you go for a run and it's really hard. Like for me, I charge uphill and it's hard, hard, but I, I always tell my son, we're pulling the rubber band back. Yeah. Cause right when we turn around, we let it go yeah. and it's just straight Damn. down the hill. Okay. And like what, what I think about people in my life who had like a lot of addictive behavior, it's just like, I just want to feel good. Right. And then they reach for the feeling good yeah. without bearing the burden of right. discomfort. And then what comes next? Yeah. Which alcohol, it seemed like an always a, din- a dynamic, which is the hangover. Right. And, you know, and like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's just there's certain caveats mm-hmm. in and over over time. I think they accumulate. Whereas the disc, the way that you respond to the discomfort yeah. in the delayed gratification, you only get stronger, yeah. which is really interesting. Yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. Oh, if you do it enough right? right or if you do, don't if you do it enough and not too much at well, the same well, time there's so many ways to to play that to play that push pull game right there's yeah. so many ways to do it that it's it's almost impossible to like tell someone a plan but i, I think it's good to try people's plans but isn't it kind of our job if, mm. if you're uh if you're a free thinking truly individual human being to create your own religion yeah. like your own traditions like make your own way like I had this, I was so into philosophy for so long as mm-hmm. a, as a 20 something year old, that was like my, my thing. I was into mm-hmm. physics and philosophy and I really, I, I wanted to answer like the, the question, the real answer, like yeah. what, what is this? The, what are the real foundational principles? Like, like, and even like the dumb, like what's the meaning of life question. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Yeah. And, and it took me, it's so funny cause it took me years and years and years, but all it was, was just rearranging the, the words. The meaning of life is to give life meaning. The purpose of life is to give purpose to life, bring purpose to life. We're meaning machines. We Mm -hmm. are creating meaning in the things we're doing. Meaning doesn't exist outside of our perception. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're here for, obviously. We're just these, we're, we're these creators of this meaning. So... What, what, what is that meaning? You know, how, how cool do you want to make it? How yeah. shitty could it be? Well, I don't know. Uh, spend your life rejecting your fears almost completely and, mm-hmm. and, and trying your hardest to push away from them and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and come at you. Like, yeah. like show me what you hate all day and you're going to be eventually what you hate. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. if you want to push on that, it'll push back. But maybe you want to put your energy into something that's going to give back in another way. And it may be really unrewarding for a mm-hmm. long time. And I have a, a 13 and an 18 year old. So watching these developments wow. is really interesting to see. And you know, your dad, cool. you know. Yeah. Especially when you when you do what I think you what I see you do is like or just hear you do is where you give them the container. Yeah. And then like the, I always call it like the, the sandbox that prevents death. Right. Yeah. And like you watch them play in the sandbox and you really figure out who they are as yeah. they unfold. You know, yeah, I had this really crazy idea. This is, yeah, I had this really awesome idea that, you know, like I always want to idealize society. And, and by, by having this, you know, this, you, you, you create a mental model and you play with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, this is the best way I think to find new ideas and the, to really see what's real and what's what. So like in an ideal society, how would it work? What would you, you know, I, I would see like, we should be creating schools. This is going to sound so like, mm-hmm. this is not I'm, I'm not this pretentious, but uh, I'm going to create this plan for the world. We should be mm-hmm. making schools where kids are getting together to create a little world of their own that has its own products, that has its own, you know, not, yeah. not, not like a mini like consumer society, but like mm-hmm. get along. Like, like there should be a mini life yeah. in a school that's being created that they graduate from and, and, re- and retain. That's mm-hmm. their world. And if we had them modeling the world that we want the future to be in school, mm-hmm. imagine how amazing our world would be. Yeah. Like, this is like, this is like if we took 10% of the money we spend on defense, mm-hmm. put it right into schools and all the best ideas for education, 
and did something that kids could really get behind. Mm -hmm. Like this is back to back to, you know, uh, physical fitness. Like what's what's dude, I could never, ever get in shape when I was thinking, just get in shape, dude, yeah, just get in exactly. shape. You know, what gets me in shape is thinking, dude, you're turning into a ninja. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're practicing yeah. being a damn ninja right now, dude. And look at you. Like mm -hmm. I wake up in the morning and go, yeah, whatever. There's some abs showing now, but. The, that fucking choke I got last night, yeah. was, that shit's in my brain, dude. So that, that doesn't go away. And that's a place that I come from as well. Because I do like, not have abs. <laughs> Just to be clear right now. <laughs> I see the bumps. I drove over them with my car. <laughs> I got six-pack six pack flabs, I say. Right <laughs> There's, um, I, I really love, I love reading. Yeah. And I like the fitness thing. I remember my experience trying to get into fitness. Oh, it's a chore. It sucks. And then like, I even remember running for football. Oh, yeah. it sucks. I didn't really want to do football. Yeah. But like now I like, I really like ultra running. I like to go rock climbing, That's you know, wild. doing jujitsu and, and also with like fitness, yoga and all these other mm -hmm. things. I like, I have a deep love for those. And the point where if I don't do that, some of these things, like specifically yoga, like oh, it's like, if I'm not doing yoga, especially after like a, a car ride or something like that, uh -huh. um, it's, it is almost obsessive at that yeah, point. Yeah. And like, that was never codified into my being, huh. but now it is. And I say that to where it's not like, look at Will. He's staying consistent with yoga. It's like, no, I wake, if I'm not doing yoga, I'm like. football and stuff as a, I, as I a, as a kid, right? I so tried a little to, bit of that. I like, tried to do football yeah. and then I quit. Uh -huh. So okay. I never played in any games. I was just like, screw this. never be interested in who no. has the ball. And I fucking, when I played yeah. soccer. I still I don't like it. Coach. I don't like, so I'm not like a soccer guy, basketball yeah. or football. And like, I even now that I like sports, I don't. Well, like I'm, I participate in sports. I don't really like watching those things. To me, it's, it's always so much more cut and dry to see two people walk into a ring and just go, "Hey, yeah, let's do this." That's how it is with me. I was always like with with basketball. I'm like, I just wish they could hit each other. And it wasn't because like it wasn't for for me. This is a very personal thing that I find like a, a, a taste, like a an interest. Yeah, um, is that I didn't like the fact that an NBA. Or, or like in NBA football and all these other things that there's like these very small restraints. Mm -hmm. So they had to play by these very specific rules yeah, yeah. in order Constraint to get the win. Set. Yeah, it's, and yeah. it's how you play that rule set is how you can Dude, win. That's the thing about jujitsu is it almost seems like it's just, it's just wide open. It's like that's a blank what, yeah. canvas. Especially no gi. Cause yeah, I have a yeah. friend and I love, I love my friend to death. Marcelo like Cohen is, is awesome. And he does like these great Kimura series. And he has like, you, you should check out like his, the DVDs that he has on this Kimura series. He's awesome. Big, big gi grappler, pretty good. No gi as well. He's like a black belt, but he's in like this, um, I, I forget. It was on like, um, he was on a fight card yeah. and he was um, competing against like Austin Daffron. Right. And he has him in, um, he has him in his guard. But Austin's standing, right? So so Marcelo's like in the air. Um, he's got Austin in his guard and he's got him in a Kimura. And the thing is, you can't do body slams. Mm. So what, what Marcelo does is, is you're standing with my full weight on you. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to hold here and wait for this Kimura to be open. Mm. You can't slam me. And so I can wait until you're tired. Yeah. And for me, I, kind of a, I love and respect the guy. Yeah. And, in like I get the, the rules and so what what I like is is like this is but this is personal like I don't mm -hmm. apply like a critique on him mm -hmm. I realize that this is how I like to just do things yeah. where like 
if I almost even like, if you're going to give me an ultra run, you know what my favorite thing is now is don't even give me directions from point A to Ooh. point B. Tell me how to get there so yeah, that all dude. of those abilities are in, are in my rule yeah, set. Yeah. And it wasn't my determination of I've got the course. It was my ability to just make this happen. Rock climbing outdoors. Mm. I really like that because nobody created the route. And if mm. I do a good job, mm. it wasn't because someone said that I did all the style points right. it's because i made it to the top it out like own or i got the arm bar yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what i mean it's yeah yeah it's like uh playing first person shooter games they go and turn off the mini map turn off the cup turn off all the stuff yeah exactly and then just make it like like immersive uh-huh. just like, like try to pretend it's real life yeah you know? and that's what i and like that shit is fun yeah exactly. it's like playing by your own rule set you might lose more yeah but you know what You're, when you do win it's gonna feel so much different you know mm-hmm. I, I think and that's like the back to the bows again it's like I never like even with my bows making making uh, multiples. I don't ever look at what I've done before and try to make a, a exact like outline of what I've done, make a oh, pattern and go off a pattern. Yeah, I try to rethink every bow new. Oh, and it's interesting cool. how similar they come out because uh-huh. they'll I'll look at them. I mean, obviously, I'm going off some basic principles and some rules and mm-hmm. balance and stuff, but. It is interesting to me how close they they come without without referencing one another. And the crossbows, I, I love building building one from the ground up once. Like oh. I, I'm not so into the idea of making copies. I'll do it mm-hmm. for sure. And they'll definitely be cheaper than my original stuff yeah. because it just takes a long time to do original creations. Exactly. But there's something about that process of really getting in there going like, yeah, okay, people have made crossbows. No one has made anything like what I'm about to make. Yeah. No one's ever done this thing and no one's doing it now. I'm the only, it's like a new space. Whoa, it's like, a, it's like, cool. it, I feel like my brain is leaving the planet like, have you ever heard of the idea of the memosphere? Oh, no. Like, so the original idea of meme was a Dawkins idea. It had nothing to do with making memes. It's mm-hmm. just like every idea is a viral entity that, that you know, the, that passes from mind to mind. And yeah. so a meme just wants to, wants to re- replicate. Mm-hmm. That's all it wants. It wants more spots. It wants more versions of itself. And so, yeah, they'll, it'll, it'll evolve and adjust and uh, tessellate over time. But so the memosphere, you could say, is like this ideosphere that, that is just imagine around our planet and it's just there. All the ideas are there. Yeah. It's just what, what have we actually brought down into our, into our realm of understanding? And if you look out further and further, the ideas are, we don't know, right. Oh, wow. They go enter into, we have no idea what they are. I like to imagine when I'm creating, when I'm mm-hmm. doing something like this, that I'm actually like moving out into this, this realm cool. of thought and going like, what could be done? And trying to find the most elegant solutions to 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 bring two two problems together under one under one yeah you know one fix. So it's like almost like you're you're would I get this right? Like you're transcribing abstract thought into material solutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it's, cool, dude. I love it. It's to me, it's just kind of an extension. Like I said, I was a little bit of a studio nerd. Are we getting? No, I was making uh, sure I had full battery. You're good. I, I was. A, I loved. I loved. So I started out with drawing, like I said in school, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, construction came along and gave me something tangible I could do, like, with my hands. Is that your first time having something to do that you liked with your hands? Yeah, yeah. So I started out with, uh, with like, restoration guys in Hawaii, and we'd go around to these old houses, these really cool old houses, sometimes millions of dollars, like, on Waikiki Beach and stuff. Whoa. And, and like, fix these up, like, really, really do some, you know, I did the range, uh, you know. But, but I really liked working on the stuff where people had the time and money to spend on it, because you could just really 
problem problem solve right. at a high level. Go like, hey, what? How can we make this better? Uh, wow. And so you, so so if I have this right, when someone does have that like that kind of money, and you have those situations, those are going to be the the twenty percent of the work that accounts for eighty percent of your thinking. To where it's like it's the outliers of the extremes, mm-hmm. to where you have to find out a unique problem set, mm-hmm. or they want something extra special and creative. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah, yeah. there a market to do that at the time? Like. Most of the time, or is that just some of your jobs that you uh, get? So in, in Hawaii, it was it was all it was always different. We never knew what we'd get. It was probably I'd say fifty fifty, like okay. really upper end customers, and then fifty percent just like regular you know working or upper middle class people mm-hmm. that just wanted to you know fix their place up or not let it fall apart. You know? Yeah, there was really the in Hawaii the lowest end economically. They were doing all their own work and mm-hmm. you know just doing their own stuff. And and I'm sure that's like that or it was like that at the time probably in a lot of places. But mm-hmm. so what we do what we would get. Sometimes, yeah, customers who just had had money to spend, and you know, that's a, a way of saying they they really wanted to improve their property. Yeah, um, and so yeah, just get even here uh, here in Oregon uh, had a had a couple jobs with billionaires. I won't drop names, but yeah, uh, working for people who were legit billionaires, and they'd just be like, hey. I just want the best work you can give me. So just Whoa. whatever whatever it takes here. If you need, you know, we'd like you to build a model, like build it in one wood. We're going to take a look at it, alter it, alter it, and then tear it all down. And when we figure it out, you know, build it in the final wood. Like wow. that kind of stuff. And it seems really wasteful, and it is kind of. And I do feel, you know, a little bit of like that's – but it wasn't my call. And it yeah. is fun to do. It is fun to just really take you're that just time. creating at that point without yeah. much limitation, right? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really a fun way to work. Uh, and it, it takes tons and tons of time, obviously, yeah. you know, and there's a happy medium. There's a, there's a, that's a little extreme, but yeah. There, yeah. And it, you know, uh, so yeah, getting in there with my hands and actually doing that, I, I've always had a real good eye for what's right or what's mechanically sound. I could just see it. Was that when you, when you started working with your hands though, was that like, just that, like the putting the glove on situation to where you're like, wow, this is very compelling to me. This is really like, yeah, well, I, I mean, I think, this. I think I was always, you know, crafty. So like okay. I was a little kid, I was taking apart record players at three years old oh, and, wow. and like, like I found a screwdriver and realized what a screw was mm-hmm. and took apart my, this is like a famous story of my mom would tell, not, not famous, famous, but in mm-hmm. our family of me taking apart the Fisher Price record player at three years old. Uh, you know, uh, I got really into electronics as little like uh, Radio Shack electronic kits where you'd like connect the wires. I was into those like oh, six, seven yeah. years old, loved all those. Um, and then just building stuff like just out of cardboard. I'd made a cardboard guitar when I was like eight years old and it played and like, oh. you know, just little things like that. I remember there was this guy when I was a little kid, he had this, he had this surfboard. We were at church and he had this little surfboard and he was like surfing on his hand with it. And it was like a full like fiberglass, cool little surfboard mini. And I was like, Whoa. as a kid, I was like, what the hell? How'd you make that? And he was like, he lied to me. I didn't know at the time he was lying, but he's like, I oh, just a couple popsicle sticks. And I, I, just, and I was like, uh. Uh, I mean, maybe he was lying. I don't know. Maybe yeah, he didn't yeah. make it with popsicle sticks, but whatever. It was way, way nice. And oh. I remember just going like, I could make stuff like that myself. Wow, and so cool. I started making like, yeah, like little cardboard guitars and little houses mm-hmm. and just little, you know, just different things, adding electronics into it with a little motor and a, you know, some lights and batteries. Cause I know how to do that stuff. That's and that cool. was a natural extension for me to move into construction. Cause I was immediately like, what's inside the wall. I, I want to know. Oh yeah. I know how this you works. Just look right around. It's like, wow. And now by 47, having been through like my car phase, my, you know, through the construction stuff, through studio stuff, it's so cool to me to be able to look around and be able to just like see into all the things around me because you have a conceptual understanding of how things work exactly and it blows me away that some people walk around not like i couldn't not know Uh i couldn't i couldn't just walk around and not know how an engine works or you know why 
you know, how pipes work or just, yeah. you know, how these things go together. For me, it was all, everything's Legos. Yeah. Oh, I had wow. to know. You, you know, had, had that get, burning yeah. curiosity exactly. inside you. Wow. So it was a natural extension for me and then getting in there and, and just doing it. Uh, but, but eventually I think I realized at some point in my, in my early thirties, I was like looking around, like you say, like seeing the deterioration of people who just do a job, then go home and sit in front of the TV and absorb their thing mm -hmm. and drink their thing or whatever and yeah. mitigate whatever health effects that has and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Maybe they even work out, Yeah, you know, but I mean, you'd see all these guys like these super strong dudes in construction with big old beer bellies and just, you know, yeah. like, get, having heart attacks and stuff. And I remember as a kid just being like, that's not, there's something really wrong about all this. The, mm -hmm. that, that dude's too strong to be going down like this. And it's just cause yeah, he's, he's sedentary for most of his life and just yeah. would, would put out some physical output early in the morning and then just be done with his day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I, I realized, I think, you know, pretty, pretty early on, you know, I wasn't going to be running around the mountains and climbing like a maniac my entire life. I, I was never like a, a real climber climber, although yeah. I've done some crazy ass climbs, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I was never into like the climbing culture or anything like that. We, mm -hmm. we would literally go out with like a boat anchor, a little mini boat anchor and Whoa. some and rope. Oh, and swing it. And we, I, I climbed up. Uh, yeah. In, in Hawaii, I climbed uh, a mountain called Mount Olympus uh, on the Pali. Was, there's another Mount Olympus there. Oh, wow. It's the highest peak there. We climbed it the wrong way. So there's a ridge climb that you can climb up to the top. And then mm -hmm. we, we climbed up the face on the other side. Whoa. The, yeah, we, we climbed up the ridge. We climbed pretty high up the face. I don't think we ever got up to Olympus from there, but we, we did get the other way to where you're like, you know, walking up in the clouds oh, on, the, so on this cool. crazy peak with like 2000 feet down on one side, you know, and like, like oh. a slope off on the other side. Oh. And uh, dude, it's nuts up there. You, you think you look at it, you go, oh, that's all rock up there, right? Yeah. Back to the instability of the, the soil there. It's literally like just up to your knees, mud all on the ridge. Whoa, no all the way up there. Way. It's so crazy feeling. Whoa. You're like, how in the hell am I going to like? That's crazy. I don't even know where the rock is. I don't want to. It's like squish, squish, Whoa, squish. Man. And then you'd reach rock. You yeah. Know? But there's like those little dips where just all the everything would collect down in there, and it would just be like this long ridge of just mud. That's wild. Going up into the clouds and like poking your head into the clouds and then out of the clouds and then you know, like oh, that. Oh yeah, I love doing that so, little peekaboo. Oh, it's, it's so, so cool, fun. man. Especially when you get in those like high pressure or low pressure systems yeah. where you're like above the clouds and then you see oh, these like sky islands yeah. just yeah. peeking up above oh, the clouds. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. so cool, that man. So right. Yeah. So that's that was that. That climb. So we did a lot of climbing uh, as a kid. What was I going? Oh yeah. So just I realized I wasn't going to be doing that forever, and mm -hmm. I need to do something. Yeah. And and you know, I, I I feel like there's certain things everyone should be able to do. You should be able to fix your car if you need to. Mm -hmm. You know, you should yeah. be able to. Like for me, I cut my own hair. You know, I feel like I'm a human being should be able to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, you know, be defend yourself in a fight. Right? In a fight, you know, mm -hmm. uh, express yourself through art, some kind of art. Yeah, you be know, able play, to navigate, like play some kind of musical instrument or try. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's something that life is long, and you may not be good at it. And everybody has that thing where they go, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not musical or whatever." Mm -hmm. That's bullshit. You yeah. just tell yourself that. Everybody can learn. Exactly. Everybody that's that fake. That's the fixed mentality and growth or the right. fixed mindset and growth mindset. Right. Like, you come from a long line genetically of musicians, of warriors, yeah. of, you know, ballerinas. You, I mean, everything well, is in there. You can tap into that. I even found that like with your like, you know, my friend Alfie, he's getting into singing more. And yeah. like you find that singing is a really good example yeah. where everyone actually can bar and maybe some like weird throat injury mm -hmm. can can physically sing and they mm -hmm. can actually sing good. Yeah. And you can figure they, out if it's, if it sounds right. Eventually. Yeah. If they work and there's a one, there's only like one thing that would prevent that similar to color blindness, which mm -hmm. is like, tone deafness. but yeah. tone deafness 
is that I can't word because I don't know if yeah. a lot of people are tone deaf because people I just say that are. just just yeah. you know just willy nilly like oh mm. I suck I'm tone deaf yeah. and it's like eh, yeah I say that too like totally so so yeah there's a there's a couple I don't want to get off into like other people's writings and stuff but yeah but. But man, there are there are some people who have really shown that if you if you push yourself, if you if you want something, you can you can get it. And like for me, I realized at a certain point, I'm gonna fall apart. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get fat. I'm gonna mm-hmm. get lazy, and I'm gonna just be I'm gonna get old quick. Yeah. And yeah, when I was a kid, a 47 year old was like that. The older, oh, the real yeah. old dude, like he was getting up there, you know, like mm-hmm. in the 50s. Nowadays, you can be like, there's people. You know, I mean, looking like. Goddamn Joe Rogan, dude. Yeah, in his I know. 50s is fucking killing it, right? Yeah, I found like Cam Haynes. Are you kidding me, dude? Ultra, dude? I have an 80 year old ultra running from this outlier, and this kind of doesn't, this cherry picking, so it's not really representative. But I've actually, so I'll say this I've been, I have a friend, he's 80, and he's uh, more of an acquaintance named Steve, and he's been an ultra runner for like 30 years. Mm-hmm. And he still runs, and he can run way faster than I can, Dude, way further than that's I can. So crazy, it's right? Like, so, and there's, there's all these people that have this like. I'm not trying to diss anybody who has knee problems. Yeah, but so many people go, "Oh, my knees won't take it." You uh-huh. know why? Because you don't do it. Well, so so can that's I it. You, that's all there is to uh, it. I and think. Interesting <laughs> thing about this is like is that I have I have like that friend who's older. That guy hasn't had an injury. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, he just hasn't had an injury from running, yeah. and it's it's very interesting with that. You have people who will like talk about the knees and, and yeah. stuff. That's something that I can't really provide an answer for. But right. what I what I would give you is is like for people out there, if they look at the demographic, especially for like um, trail running and stuff. Mm-hmm. I know men and women into their fifties and sixties and yeah. beyond who are doing these hundred and two hundred mile running events, yeah. and their body, some of them even overweight um, for whatever reason, yeah. but no. No knee problems or anything. Right. We talked about hormetic stress. It's the variations. It's, yeah. yeah, it's the slips, the catching yourself, and the and mm-hmm. the like constant adjustment. I love trail running, dude. Yeah. When I was when I was doing it the most, I haven't had time to really do a lot lately. But when I when I was doing it the most, I was the most alive. Yeah, like you run in a street after running in a trail, you immediately feel like the life being sucked out of you through your feet. You're like, oh yeah, ugh, there's no return. But when you're doing that trail run and you're either for me, I would get in one of two states, like either uphill, I'm running from the prey, the the, the predator, mm-hmm. or I'm running like downhill and I'm the fucking predator. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Like, That's how I have it with the uphill. So, like you have like this you got it. discomfort going up. And for, for me, like because there's actually I find people who like it the other way, which they love going up, don't like going down. Yeah. But for me, it's like the discomfort of going up with the reward and payoff of the yeah. controlled chaos of going downhill. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. you're right about the about the that's interesting about the trail running and variance in terrain. Yeah. Because like one thing that I have with with knee pain, and you couldn't just generally diagnose anybody, and I'm mm-hmm. not even someone who's a doctor and nobody would ever take my medical advice. I'm not even a physical therapist, right? We get that. But like you um if you're looking at like knee pain, yeah. right? Uh, oftentimes the knee is, is half of the hip and half of the ankle. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. if you have that, you're looking at more or less of an alignment issue mm-hmm. and a stabilizing mm-hmm. issue with the muscles. And if you were to like say someone, hey, a lot of people might get hurt knees from running on the road. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, there we talk about the hypertrophy or hormetic stress. Mm-hmm. The hormetic stress that only can happen here is moving in one direction, you're going to eventually plateau. Yeah. But with a trail run, if especially if you have a varied trail run, mm-hmm. the environment is never the same. Right. 
Right. Like, and it's like my foot, I even know when I'm jumping, I'm like pushing inward, pushing That's outward. That's my favorite like, is just when you, when you get to that point where you're just like dashing and jumping off a of rock yeah. and like skipping off of trees uh-huh. around the corners. I love that. It's so much fun. It's, it's, it's the best. I really need to get out and, and do more running. I used to love, uh, just, just, you know, running up Tabor like a maniac a couple yeah. times, you know, and just, just getting through that thing. And I was so alive, dude. My jujitsu game was, was doing a lot better than. I've been really focused on the bow thing, so it's been hard to get out and do everything I want to do. It's that push-pull, though. I have Only a very so similar hours. thing. Because, yeah. like, even with the climbing and jujitsu and, like, <laughs> running is these things will pull me in all these different directions. And it's just sometimes it's really hard to, to figure out what direction you want to go in. But Your that, life is an art project, yeah, man. Just, exactly. Just, just whittle it out the way you want it, man, and, and finish it up because it's going to be beautiful no, yeah. no matter what. And I really feel like if you just have that... Not, not that I'm trying to like push my personal religion I've developed mm-hmm. on anybody, but I really feel like looking at it from that perspective of at the end, how does this look from the end? Yeah. How does this look, you know, like when you're on that trail run and it's fucking killing you, you're like, I'm going to feel so good when this is over. I'm going to be mm-hmm. so proud of myself. Yeah. That beer is going to taste so goddamn yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's that, that's a dis- initial discomfort for yeah. the later payoff. Right. Yeah. And there, there was something that, um, we talked about earlier, which is like, you know, having that, your idea for like the education system and yeah. stuff. There's a thing that I was taught, which was, um, there's a, a phenomenon called the golden mean mm-hmm. and the golden mean, um, oh, was, yeah, yeah. you've, you heard about I'm it sure. where you have like a, a jar of jelly beans or whatever. Yeah. And you try to guess the guess how many jelly beans in there. Oh, oh you're talking and, about the, the, the group consciousness the go- thing where people will, will, as a group, they will guess it. Is that yeah. The, yeah. And then yeah, individually yeah, awesome. they'll always be They're not all even over the right. Place, yeah. All over the place. Up and, and yeah, and, and divided, and divided by, the by the number, and you people. got basically and within a couple. Like, yeah, exactly. And it's almost anything that'll do that, right? It's mm-hmm. almost, you can do that with almost yeah. And that's that's wild that group consciousness yeah. works that way. It almost tells you a little. It's a little uh, like you think, oh, this guy's way off. How stupid is that guy, right? Mm-hmm. But it took that guy being way off in that direction to get to yeah. this exact mm-hmm. number, which is a weird. That's a brain. Yeah, that's a brain buster right there. Right? It is. It, so it takes it takes all of us to make this to make this run. So this like kind of just to touch into like political parties for a second. It's like now we've, we've been simplified into two parties, which I think is that's a whole other conversation and it's a mistake mm-hmm. for us to be doing this binary thinking, but yeah, it's absolutely. because we have two sides of our brain probably that's doing it. But yeah, so it's a little bit of an illusion, but there's this weird thing where you get so into the right. We're like, Oh, the left, bad left. And the right, the, the left is like, Oh, the right. So we, we need each other. We yeah. need these mm-hmm. sides. They need to work together. Yeah. And if they don't, then they, it starts to be, it starts to manifest in some kind of sickness. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so that's what I think what we're dealing with a lot right now is a little bit of sickness, but it's, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't blame, you know, corruption. It's weird. Cause it's in all of us. Yeah. It is. Every one of us. Well, that, and that's the whole point is like this. This is the big thing, which is um, we are government. Yeah. We like and, and like that doesn't necessarily apply to every single country. But well, for sure, it, we're, it, we're in a corporate a weird corporate system that's gotten out, out of control and run, running away with our government. And it's been that way for a long time. Right. And we're yeah. also in this like weird technology thing that's running away with society. And, exactly. And people think uh, a little bit and, and controlling it to some degree. We don't know how much. And, and then also we have the diffusion of responsibility. We're yeah. like, oh, that thing's doing. It. and right, it's just like right. but what are you what are you doing and can not, you change it yeah do and like you know, can you can you be like well i'm concerned here or like i think we can do this differently do i need to accept this yeah. or do i need to change this exactly yeah. as opposed to the just the bumbling along and that's what I, the thing that i that i had which is like um 
just in terms of my life, if all I had was to, you know, to take care of myself financially, which I respect people who do and like grind essentially and come home and then revel in the fruits of my labor. If that was the only meeting of my life, if I didn't have this like burning passion to do something just for the sake of doing it or to like really care about things like, and I just that that kind of life didn't seem very exciting to me but yeah i just don't operate that way it, it doesn't inspire me in in any way you know it, it sucks the it's the flat road yeah it just sucks it out of me but you you see this thing that um that that i had which was so i don't know if you ever read dune uh i did when i was a little kid and it's been referenced so many times that i think i'm remembering more of the references yeah. than actually the book itself but i think dune I should reread it dune encapsulates like in probably a lot of people i just assume listening might not have like read dune right but like dune the, f- the first book and the second book dune and dune messiah ca- encapsulates like the kind of situations going on right now politically in america and yeah, like yeah. with the with the two extremes and then the the, the middle um is like an initial, the first Dune, you have this like counterculture, right? For lack of a better word. Punk did this too, by the way. Yeah. This is this is Punk's this cycle. I almost see this as a fractal cycle in a lot of things. Yeah. But like in Dune, you had this like counterculture who's getting oppressed by the big culture. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, these are bad and terrible. But in the process of recognizing all the flaws of the current dominant extreme, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, It starts becoming corrupt. Because it's like, this is wrong. And then they become so empowered in their yeah. emotion yeah. that this is wrong and you're oppressing me yeah. that they become jihadi. Yeah. And the, the the main character who is the ruler of this and people are operating in his in an idyllic image of this guy, yeah. even beyond who he really is, they're emboldened by the character. Right. And he sees this coming that these people are going to start murdering on his behalf. Right. And he's like, right. I want to make the world a bigger place or a better place. Because of this oppression. And then these people radicalize. Right. And then and they start the story, doing that, the that is, in a lot of ways, the story of life. Like, you know, life is life is long and short, right? We all get to play all the parts, it seems like. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we, like you feel so justified in your position until you push it to that extreme. And then mm-hmm. at some point you go, oh, I'm the bad guy now. Yeah. I'm actually... It's like that movie Falling Down. You ever see that? Ever see that oh, no, I haven't. Guy, oh, he just like gets out of his car in traffic and walks away. And at the end of the movie, like cops are all over him. He's like, wait, how am I the bad guy? Oh, like, you know, it's like it's like that moment where you don't really understand that you've you've come all that way. But that's what I think. Uh, like having compassion is one thing. That's like an overused word, I think. But it, but really having like some kind of some understanding for people that mm-hmm. that like we're you're gonna no matter how you th- see that person right now, you're gonna be able to feel what it feels like to yeah. be that person at some point. You know what I mean? It's that you're gonna that 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 enemy that you have. That's you're going to be that guy at some point. If I could, like, there's a thing that I was listening to um, from uh, Jack Cornfield, right? It's like a Buddhist teacher and I think a psychologist. Um, So about compassion. And this is an interesting thing with compassion. I'll use his, he had like a story about a homeless um, person and I don't really know the story very specifically, so I'll do my best. But like this, this man is is like walking in a busy city street. Um, There's this woman and she's ragged clothing and she's homeless and turns and looks and he's like, oh my God, she's missing an arm. And he's like, oh, that's terrible. And like, he's thinking in his head. Um, about what she's going through and he feels great stricken with great grief and sadness he is witnessing her what he sees her experience and he's feeling some form of compassion which he's trying to think about how she 
her what he thinks his predicament is, whether true or not, and he feels these 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 feelings that are uncomfortable, and then all of a sudden a child walks out from behind the woman, and then just even more like it's just like completely like oh my god this is just feeling the the full range of emotions from witnessing this person's mother and daughter's experience, and he's like. I can give you, I can, here, I goes up to her and it's like, I want to give you money. I want to, I want to help you out. And like, she just looks at him and with a very scornful look on her face. And she's just like, how dare you? And the, the whole thing with this is, is that like the, there's one thing about witnessing what somebody's going through. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when we want to help somebody, mm -hmm. it, we have like, oh, I'm just feeling compassionate and I don't want them to go through that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's wrong, but let's look at this in a different way. You witnessed somebody's predicament. Mm -hmm. The feelings that you had were really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You're trying to, without knowing yeah, it, absolutely. alleviate the, the feelings of disgust, yeah. pity, worry, grief, sadness, yeah. and fear inside of you, you make by feel helping better. them. Absolutely. And yeah. that, that's how that, and the compassion, true compassion is, is like, we're not talking saying that they don't need help or anything like that right. is being able to witness mm -hmm. being able to listen maybe if someone's mm -hmm. talking without trying to fix it yeah. and give it space and be there yeah and that that's like that's it yeah i mean i would argue and in that case they just need money but yeah they do. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah no i hear i hear you that that's uh i think that's that's something we we go through a lot and it's it's both ways right it's like uh, what's the opposite of compassion it's like that negative judgment you know? yeah or where, but but it's it is all our it's our projection. It's what we're seeing them mm -hmm. as. And it really doesn't doesn't have a lot. I think it's good to do to do things for people yeah, for the reason so of making yourself feel better. Like yeah, just I, for I, that so reason. That's I was a good gonna, reason. Right? Now I was going to say That's that too, which reason. is like, like I'm going to make myself feel better. And and hey, if that makes them, if that gives them something, then that's the most. That's that's a great byproduct. It, and right? that's my cal my counselor used to tell that, me like, like all like there's an. Um, because I used to do the thing where I used to have like I used to try to please people a lot when I was younger yeah. and it was all based off of like trying to make other people feel good right, right? right. and she's like listen that's selfish right you're you're masquerading as somebody who's See, selfless and that's and it's what like, I think those be words, selfish yeah Jesus. those words have kind of fucked us up a yeah, little bit yeah right. like selfishness ooh it's so bad yeah well, yeah I mean it, that would be bad if somehow people existed in a vacuum and were <laughs> yeah. able to just like be selfish all just for them yeah. nobody nobody works like that people don't feel that like you you know, it, it's easy to be selfish as a kid, but then once you once you get old enough, I think just genetically stuff kicks in. You don't even have to have other, you know, have kids, but you get to that age, you start to just feel like like your happiness is others' happiness as mm -hmm. well, and yeah. you know, like in a real way, not yeah. not like in a like a, I want I want to know that they like me kind of way, but like mm -hmm. a real yeah, like trying trying to bring up trying to bring up all of the like like. This is a weird one to even talk about, but it's like mm -hmm. giving somebody something without getting, without making a big deal out of it, you know? Yeah, like, without expecting anything or, in return. Yeah, or, right. or without having to tell somebody, like, I did, you know, mm -hmm. and just having that really, like, good personal feeling yeah. of, of, like, I did something good. You yeah, know? exactly. It changes who you are to yourself. Mm. Yeah, it does. That's right? kind of the thing about jujitsu, too, right? You get in there and, like, you realize, like, you had a fear, you had something you couldn't overcome, and then all of a sudden you see yourself work on it, work on it, work on it, and boom, you got right through there, and you're like, I just impressed the shit out of myself. And your your truth is in that situation, you almost get that like most every time because if you're not doing that, someone in that at least one person, like is role modeling that in their own sphere, right. and it's never like 
this like because it's an interesting meritocracy like if i yeah. right if i submit you i submit you yeah. there's no one ever like like uh, well, okay most of the time like clapping and like whoa you got yeah. the submission it's like this intrinsic self-motivating thing yeah. Yeah. and and like i used to try to teach in the like emotional and behaviorally delayed children in the school mm-hmm. system and what they were doing is it's like this is important too though but they're trying to give external rewards Mm -hmm. and they without the sustainability and forethought like we're going to phase these external rewards to intrinsic rewards they're like no doing the work doing the work you do the work and i give you an external reward that's going to be the relationship for life Mm -hmm. but we talked about with like conceptual understanding and passion there's there's like i'm getting there like 20 more minutes there's 10 that's 20 more minutes. 20 more minutes. Wait, what? Yeah. You play with Alfie for a little longer. Have uh, you done that? No, though? he's on the phone. Oh, I see. But he's playing that, and then, but he says he's practicing. Oh, is he? <laughs> I don't like that. But there's, um, there's at least, like, these kids that I would teach... They didn't have one thing mm-hmm. that was an intrinsic. I see what you're know, saying. That's so like giving them the reward. You're attaching that. Yeah. The, in jujitsu, when we when we do something, when we impress ourselves mm-hmm. somehow, when we, we have some kind of growth that, that, that it's something that's and this is back to like like real value versus versus like a materialistic type of mindset when you when you what you have that you put in yourself nobody can take away Mm, yeah what what, what you build inside of yourself people may not see it they don't need to see it they don't need to know it's there Mm -hmm. but that that wealth of information knowing just being able to look around and like i know i'm if i you know i i have enough of the of the pieces of how things work to fix almost anything any problem that i run into it's a mm-hmm. physical problem in reality or at least i know how to do it you know i have an idea mm-hmm. and if i don't have the things exactly like you know all the things i need i can kind of make it up i can improvise because i know just having that in me I, I i mean would i would i rather have spent my whole life accumulating wealth through one one means like some mm-hmm. you know some numerical or whatever some other you know finding the education that i need to get the job to do the thing mm-hmm. i could even be a doctor you know and like make all this money yeah you know how to do a thing you know how to fix people you know you understand them but yeah. you don't know all the anything else yeah i think that they're like i really i really like the renaissance the idea the mindset of the renaissance man like mm-hmm. person uh because of the fact that it's like you know everyone should should have that well-roundedness i mean i that's just mm-hmm. my perspective obviously yeah. but i feel like t- to have that well-rounded perspectiveness perspective uh makes you more human becoming mm-hmm. human becoming yeah. completely uh, a, a complete human to yeah. yourself you know whatever that entails it's just a, a, to me it's a sense of security mm-hmm. like I, I just i don't i don't worry about things that i can't control yeah i try to just focus on the things that I can control and, and what I can do and, and having a, at least one outlet where I control every fucking thing. That's is the thing, amazing. isn't it? That's so <laughs> That's interesting. That's what the bows yeah. are to me. That's what crossbows are to me. That's and just having cool. a, a, any, uh, so I went from, like I, I was saying, like I went from as a kid drawing mm-hmm. to construction, uh, moved, moved out into, you know, music, punk rock and started really getting into the poetry side of things. Uh, ended up just writing for years, writing oh. and doodling for years and years. Didn't know what I was going to do, do all that for. Forgot about music for a while. Then got back into the studio thing and started bringing all my writings back as songs. Oh, and then wow. it, so it evolved into that. And then I was going back through all these poems mm-hmm. and putting all this music together in this, in the studio environment. And then I started writing all these songs and bringing them all back together. So Whoa. it all kind of, I saw this long, this long game. Being yeah. Played. And I was like, well, well, what do I need to do now 
to start putting the steps in place. And, you know, what do I want? I want to be a fucking, like, an artistic ninja, you know, whatever, bohemian artist dude. That's cool. I want to be, like, an old guy who can do do anything, fix anything, and also has awesome art and and weaponry, dude. I was making slingshots and blowguns at, like, like 10, 11 years old. Oh, dude. Doing that stuff with my friends, (laughs) launching uh, model rockets uh, with my best friend Shannon, who's now, like, uh, one of the main guys... uh, running Elon Musk's uh, oh, uh, new spacecraft uh, oh, situation cool, with man. NASA. He works for NASA. But uh, I, won't, I won't drop his name here so he doesn't get pinged. But, uh, but yeah, so we used to we'd launch model rockets and put different payloads in there, ex- you know, explosive Whoa. or whatever crazy weird payloads we could come up with, made like rocket weapons That's and cool. slingshots. And, yeah. and so going from there, I was like, okay, eventually this is all going to come back. This comes full circle, right? It comes mm-hmm. back around. So I got into the woodworking and then eventually I had all the tools. I'm like, I can just make whatever I want. Oh. So my kids were, when my daughter was uh, maybe four or five years old, she started getting really into sticks. It was mm-hmm. like her favorite thing, just playing with sticks. Yeah. And so I started tying strings to them and went back to my childhood and like getting into the archery oh, thing again. Yeah. So then I started making up some bows out of some plum trees we had out in front of our house. And then it just kind of, it just snowballed from there. Like archery is awesome, but if you don't keep up the practice, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to stay sharp. Yeah, it so is. I really got into uh, the the ancient technology of crossbows, which is truly ancient. Oh, and really? so the crossbows that I build are based a little bit on on uh, like the Chinese chukonu or the Greek gastrophetes, which are these BC era crossbows that are that are like from 650 400 bc whoa and so yeah like uh like this one here no is based kind of based on the chinese chukonu it's yeah. like a 16 shot um uh, it doesn't have the crank handle but uh-huh. it has a 160 pound bow whoa and shoots these things out of here it's so, 16 shots so like you have to load what i've never clip. known they had a clip <laughs> Lone, yeah you can load a clip of arrows it's it's similar to the chukonu but it has no crank it just pushes into the ground ground like the uh so you push it into the ground to cock it back, basically. Yeah. yeah wow. Exactly. So like this one here, can you hold that for yeah. a second? Yeah. This one here has this lever, and it just cocks like. That. Oh wow! Just, just straight into, into the, the ground. ground. You just plunge it in the ground. Exactly. So, so you can reload those kind of quickly then. Real quick, I can shoot this wow. faster than a person can shoot a handbow, which is a crazy thing to say for a two hundred pound. Crossbow. No way! Yeah. Whoa! And it's it's nuts. So and then I put lasers on all of them too, like this little. Oh, guy lasers! Here. Yeah, yeah. This little guy here is. Whoa, a, that's pretty. It's a full on like like self defense, like for people who don't want to deal with guns. Uh, oh, that's so cool, man. This is man. A, a viable alternative. And it loads to, it all like, from the top there? Yeah, wow. yeah, tactical crossbow. I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to get somebody to buy one of these to protect their home. Yeah. If, if you can handle guns, I think guns are uh, probably a better way. Yeah, to yeah. Whoa, that even goes but, for the shoulder butt, too? That's nice. Yeah, this, this thing is uh, a little bit... So then I ran into, like, a, a, a little bit of an ethical dilemma with this stuff. Like... Mm-hmm. This is nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. Wow. Like I, shooting it, it's it's an experience. And man, I just don't know uh, like what my liability is handing somebody something like this. Yeah. Wow, um, really? It, it, it's it's un like it's uncannily strong. It will shoot like this, like the example I give is like you're shooting at somebody in a car. You'll go through the car door and get them. Whoa, wait. So how many shit. pounds is that? Again? It's about 120 pounds on this bow, which oh is not gosh. a big deal, but it yeah. shoots a dart. It wow. shoots a, a really lightweight thing. That it does really has serious penetration Whoa. power. And it how's like, the accuracy on that? Dude, this this one, all crossbows are super accurate. Is because, it because of the the speed in which it comes out? Well, so the way this works, it has like if you look at this huge trigger. That's yeah. It's a big oh, leverage a nice point trigger. to push up on this little tiny thing here that uh, pushes the string up. So, uh-huh. 
you can you can maintain a pretty good pretty good on target uh, with the <clears throat> so the, the trigger itself is fairly light for what you're shooting out. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, accuracy wise, crossbows are. This is why I got into crossbows. Is you don't really need to keep any archery skills going. Wow. Uh, here's the here's the thing, right? It's uh, to me. There's it's just different things. So this is a really good metaphor for a lot of, for a lot of things. But the crossbows, I spend so much time uh, put into building them and the mechanics of them and making them work right so that when you shoot you don't have to think at all there's no skill oh wow you just it just it just point at where that laser is man that's where the that's where the th the arrow is going to show up Whoa. so uh it's it's a little different right when you go to like a regular bow like mm -hmm. so then you have compound bows in the middle which have a peep sight and a pin and you're lining up the peep sight and the pin and it's a lot more mechanics into the thing yeah there's a lot more involved so you have to think less mm -hmm. you have to do less there's less and it's still a skill for mm -hmm. sure yeah but you want to go up the <clears throat> up the ladder to sk of skill then you have a regular like a, just a bare recurve bow and that has no sights it's all your skill like there there yeah there's there's technology in it there's it's a spring basically mm -hmm. that, that flings arrows so it's all about you figuring out how to get your body to do the thing so the technology is you oh really does wow that yeah that does make the sense skill, the, the 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 repetitive nature of just of performing the same shot over and over and over so you know exactly how to do it that's wow. like the mechanics of the oh, crossbow. Because the right? only yeah. variable that you can control is, is how your body pulls the bow back yeah. and, and how it's organized and your your sight perception. And it's way more about your mental focus. Oh, really? Being able to keep your body to doing all these things the precise way and yeah. keeping that focus on the target. And I'm not great at it yet, but really keeping that focus to where you can repeat those shots and shoot in different conditions. So, so that's... Uh, yeah, that's just the difference between the, the two types of bows, but it's really interesting to me. I've just started doing the bows again. Um, I, I, I built them, got into crossbows, and was really a purist when I was doing construction because I only had time to do a certain amount of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would just really work on designing and building the crossbows and getting them getting them going. And then uh, with this you know, shutdown and slowdown of the economy and everything, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, really, I really had a chance to go, okay, like, how can I actually make money off these skills? Yeah. So I built crossbows for, you know, 11, 12 years. <clears throat> and I got really good at building the bows and pressing the bows. But with a crossbow like these, I built a 230-pound version of this thing uh -huh. that oh, I've broken probably 15 of, trying to get to exactly the right dimensions. Wow. Because it's a, it's a crazy amount of recurve for that, that heavy of, mm -hmm. a, of a prod. And so, so just trying to get it exactly right so it doesn't, you know, eventually. So my, my goal is to get a thousand shots through with no sign of change. Oh, okay. If I can do that, then it's perfect and it'll probably last it forever. Can handle the stress. But with these bows, man, I build a bow and it comes off the press and I shape it up and it's good forever. It's immediately like a permanent thing. It's never going to break. There's Whoa. almost nothing you can do to it, dude. It's so, it's so strong. So I was like, okay, look, people actually sell bows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I might as well do something that'll make me some money, you know, mm -hmm. and, and do something that I love. So. It's been really fun getting back into archery and getting that skill again. Yeah. And, and finding out what I like to shoot, like making making the bow that I want to shoot. Yeah. So it's it's been really encouraging. I have a, a couple of people, uh, sh uh, uh, shout out to Archers of Field, a couple of people over there. The employees have bought my bows and they're raving about my stuff. So that's really good to- Dude, that's to great, like, man. Like people who really know their stuff, my stuff, my bows, and they go like, whoa, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm you know? really impressed by what you're doing. Yeah, Dang. yeah, that, that feels really good. So. 
it's been a really cool journey. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy That's to be able awesome. to do it and I hope, hope I can keep yeah. going with it, you know? What kind of, yeah, especially with that. Cause you know, you have a, you have a passion for that. Right. And then yeah. to be able to connect that passion with any like kind of need or interest is, is amazing to me. Right. Do you use any kind of like specific wood? Like do you have a wood preference for your no, bows and stuff? I just like whatever's beautiful. I mean, all, all the woods would have to be, you know, are, have to be hardwoods. The real wood in a bow that's doing most of the work is this, what we call the core. Uh-huh. So these are just, just uh, cross laminated, uh, uh, ash laminations that i i sand out oh whoa. Uh, i make the grain runoff go one way on one lamination and then the other way on the other lamination to give it sort of a a, a cross hatched oh, uh, straight so yeah it gives it more stability in the core oh it does yeah okay that makes sense wow. and then like this one's a single core so i just had to find the straightest you know perfect uh, grain i could for that yeah Oh, that looks so cool. So, and then these on this bow, they do something because they're kind of, they're, they're a little thicker, but on most of the bows, I'm going like, look at this lamination back here. It's super thin. So it's really not, it's not doing a lot mechanically. Uh It's just in there to provide a little bit of, uh, you know, beauty. That's cool. And do you, so do you have to press the, the, um, the laminate onto it yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have a, a a press that I've, have worked on that I've built up that, uh, takes a fire hose, so uh-huh. basically it's like two big pieces of whatever MDF laminated MDF that I put together that make the the shape of the bow, and inside of it's a fire hose pushing against a piece of steel that just pushes it all together. So then I put it together, uh, 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 bolt it all up, and then inflate the fire hose to 60 psi, and it pushes all the glue out. Oh, that's so cool! So, so I just put all the laminations together, uh, glue between them, wrap it up with tape and and plastic, and then stick it in there and just blow it up. And then I pull it out and shape it up and, and do all awesome. that. And so, so the real work is in getting those laminations precision ground to the yeah. exact dimensions. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. Because in because you, know, you don't have a lot of touch up to be able to make it the same size on there. Right. Oh, we're almost done. Because there's fiberglass in the front and the back. Here. Oh, there is so, fiberglass yeah, in the front. Yeah. Okay. On and both sides. So that's you can't really do a lot with the the. I mean, you can do this. You know, this dimension you can change, but you yeah. can't really change the thickness very much. It's oh, I see what you're sort saying. Sort of set, yeah. And so, what determines the uh, the the poundage of the bow? Is it just the the dynamic of, of for a recurve anyway? Basically, it's the thickness. Oh, it's the thickness. This, this thickness will 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 tell you. Like, you can look right at these and go, mm-hmm. okay, this one's thinner. This one's thicker. It's a higher poundage bow. Oh. But that thickness at a longer on a longer bow would equal less pound to pull it back because you have more leverage. Yeah, because of the le- okay. So, so it's just a, it's all about coefficients. It's all about these dynamic numbers that, that occur between two different two different variables so you have this this number versus this number and you have mm-hmm. the elastic uh, modulus i don't know there's all these words you can throw in there but mm-hmm. of the yeah. of the woods of the fiberglass oh, and okay. the compression versus the versus the tensile strength so wood you know that's inside of the curve will be uh-huh. compressed wood that's outside will get stretched oh that makes sense yeah wood in the okay. center ha- at the 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 it's it's like the zero plane i guess they call it or something mm-hmm. the neutral plane uh, so the wood in the center almost does almost does nothing for the bow, and the lighter it is, the better. So you'll see, like nowadays, they have these bows that are like foam core in the center, but just keeping it attached to the outer laminations wow. in a way that that trans that transmits the power out. It's the external frame of it essentially. So what you're right? what you're trying to do with a bow is just create the most uh, efficient spring you can. Oh, okay. And and it's really interesting because I'll get a bow that's a certain a certain poundage, and it just feels a little clunky to shoot. And I'll just whittle off, whittle off, whittle off material, especially toward the outside of the limbs. See mm-hmm. how thin they get out there? Oh, yeah. And if you can get it really nice and thin out there, then it's less of a, like a flop. And it's more mm. of like a, it puts all the power into the arrow. So the, oh. mo- the most efficient a bow can be is it putting as much of the string of, of that spring power mm-hmm. into the arrow. 
And so there'll be less hand shock. There'll be less noise. Yeah. There'll be less of these other things, and it'll just feel more magical. It just feels like an arrow wow. taking off. Wow, it's just, it's just gliding. Wow. So, so when people, uh, when I go to the archery range, I'll bring, like, 10 bows out there and set them all up and just mm -hmm. tell people, hey, try whatever you want. If you want to, you know, what's that poundage you use on that? Here, try this one. That's and people will shoot my bows, and every time they're like, first of all, they pick it up, they go, like, I mean, if you feel one of these things, like, <laughs> 1.3 pounds. Oh, wow. That's nothing. so light. They go, whoa, that's light. And then they yeah. shoot it and they go, whoa, that feels way It just feels so much different. It's that's so cool. What I want, my goal when I'm building a bow is I have this, I have this memory of a dream. Mm -hmm. in, in this dream, in this dream, I got a bow. I got a bow. I was under my bed. Okay, so I, was, I don't know how, but I found like a box under my bed and I pulled it out and it was this, I opened it up and it was this crossbow in two pieces and it just clicked together and all of a sudden I had this amazing super lightweight crossbow and it hit a thing and a, a slide came out of it uh -huh. and it was when I was making my crossbows but I just went like this is what I want to build Whoa. this thing right here that I'm holding in my hand in this dream is what I want to build and I'm still trying to get there wow but what I what I say is like when I hand you something I want I want it to be a magical experience yeah so I'll take that extra day or two on a bow that it's shooting yeah mm -hmm. but I want to get it to where I hand it to you and it's like a, like something an elf would hand you in a dream. Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. not something from this world. You know? So something, other worlds yeah. aren't dreaming. I want it to be like, like something else, like oh. like a new a new realm of weaponry. That is so <laughs> cool, man. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Almost done. Okay. Do you, what, um, what is it important to, what is like one of the most important concepts for to improve the efficiency for delivering all the power to the arrow? Is it just how you taper towards the end, or some is of it the shape? Some of the shape, uh, uh, some of the spring. Just, just realistically, every gram I pull out of these tips mm -hmm. is is feet per second into that arrow. Whoa! Every every you know uh, uh, every when you want the arrow to pass over this thing and touch almost mm -hmm. nothing on this, you okay. want it to touch as little as possible. And so this this little glidey curve into the boat into the arrow shelf mm -hmm. and out. Uh, there's just a little bit of a radius there, so that the, the arrow just sits on one one little spot there. Oh, just a tiny little spot, just yeah. A tiny little spot, wow. and then and then having the having the handle you know shaped to a person's hand to where mm -hmm. they're not it's not pulling off one way or another. So yeah, it fits their hand right. Uh, there's there's so much to it. I couldn't wow, really say one thing, but really cool. the thing I've been on lately is just the thinner I can get these tips, uh -huh. the the snappier it shoots and the better wow. it feels. So I've just been working on really thinning those out. And, uh, yeah. As and then a, the rest of it's just kind of a, a beauty thing. This center piece in the riser actually gives it quite a bit of structural integrity. Like oh really? This handle right here is super super thin and it's uh -huh. small. It's made for a, maybe a, a smaller hand, but this right here in the center is Ipe. And it goes, Whoa. extends out all the way into this riser. Uh -huh. And so I could basically whittle this whole thing down to just that Ipe and it would be strong enough because it's Whoa. just the strongest wood. So, so cool. putting the strongest wood where it does the most and then just trying to, I don't know, just trying to make it beautiful. I, I try to go for a, like an aesthetic of, you know, a couple of woods that work yeah. really well together. Like the way this pretty, a moves up in, into this like like almost reptilian yeah, looking it does. piece of You're such a nice eye for like matching the grains and stuff. Well, this is all out of the same piece and oh, this is just really? off. Yeah, it's just basically like keeping the integrity of where, you know, how the wood grew. Yeah, it keeps flow. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Oh, I, dude, that's There's cool. one thing. I'm hypnotically in love with wood, wood mm -hmm. grains, patterns, and colors of wood. And that's, 
it's such it's 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 a weird thing to try to explain to somebody because mm-hmm. as far as addictions go, it's probably my my biggest addiction. Wow! Like the smell of some woods when you start when you start sawing into yeah, them. I love that. Just the, yeah. the different properties. Just it just feels like alchemy to me. Wow! It's really? So, it's so much magic that just no one knows about. No one thinks about. that. So yeah, because of the complexity, and you look out there, and oh, I see all these trees. But yeah. then when you have that knowledge, it gives a sense of purpose and yeah. meaning to these things that are inherently meaningless initially well, right well, it's such a human thing to take this take this natural resource and turn it into something you know it's like that that blank slate that blank canvas feel yeah. when, I'm, when i'm just looking at the wood and starting to saw it up i just there's nothing more the the possibilities pregnant yeah, with possibilities exactly. yeah, that, that moment where mm-hmm. you're just like oh what could this be exactly it's like they're just all <laughs> like that you're at standing at the edge of chaos as you're turning yeah. into order right yeah and like that's the place to be <clears throat> man yeah Right. Has it really? There's and then um, one other thing that I that I have is uh, so with when I was talking with this uh, a custom bike builder, I'd realized yeah, I I, I heard that podcast yeah that like I thought you just have a bike and you put there's a way you put the frame together and there's not much like nuance or variation here to change experience. Is there a lot of nuance and variation? Everything changes the bow for the recurve. You know what's crazy is I can build two bows that almost look identical. Mm Hmm. And have completely different feels. Whoa. You, you shoot it and you're like, there's something just a little clunkier about this one for some reason. And that's how I base my pricing. Like when I when I get done with bows, there's only so much I can do. Yeah. I have to stop at a certain point. Yeah. But, it, but at some point, I look at the final thing that this can become. And whatever it is, it's been maybe two weeks working on the bow, like of actual time. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a week or two on some of the bows. Uh-huh. And wow. I'll go like, okay, that's as good as I can get that. And then I'll, I'll bring another bow out and shoot it. I'm like... That one's just a little better still. And so wow. how hard it is for me to get rid of the thing is how much I charge. Yeah. It's like, this one is so magic. Cool. I want this. This is mine. Yeah. So wow. if you want my bow, <laughs> you have to pay more. Uh, yeah, exactly. If you want a cheaper bow, I got, I got other bows and it's not that they're bad. They're yeah. great. And I'll fall in love with them if I shoot them for long enough mm-hmm. and I'll definitely get way into them. But there's something that's just a little better about some, some and it's wow. so hard to define yeah. exactly what it is that makes it. That that's way. that's the thing that I find beautiful and like for me that's the kind of lifestyle that I envision mm-hmm. as like someone who likes to create things where mm-hmm. you have this thing and it really does have endless possibilities mm-hmm. and the consequence of creating that yeah. is someone has an experience so yeah. it's endless variations on the experience yeah, yeah. dude I think that's beautiful that you get a shit yeah that. yeah endless variation on the theme that's that's it man yeah and um, we're so lucky to be here and just be able to just to imagine you. You could do anything. You know yeah. that. Yeah. Like anything That's like the typical all. thing adults tell kids. Yeah, you could do anything. You want to make something. You could make whatever you want. You exactly. Could, you could write your cars. own books. You could, like, yeah. You could make a, a jetpack that you could fly. I mean, yeah. you got that NASA shirt on, huh? Yeah, man. You can do anything. You really? I, you know, I have a friend who works at NASA. Did you know that? It's cool, huh? You even he make, makes rockets, man. Yeah, and you could even make your own, like you know motor powered vehicles and stuff like that like i have i can make myself a private but i I do love the idea of bringing old technology into the future that's that was the idea with my with my crossbow designs is taking some of that old forgotten technology and that that's what i like too because that's where i I have a love for like indian clubs among other things and like even you even look at like stoic philosophy right yeah where it's like these things have been always been there and, and people you know who are like you have been there before too yeah and like, you know, it's almost like 
not like my literal ancestors, but yeah. a very figurative sense. It's like, there's no, that dude. person that yeah. was on the same track I was like dude, I'll be making years ago. I'll be working on the Chicano stuff and I'll be, I'll be working a problem out. And I'm realizing that this is a problem some dude in 450 BC was scratching his head about yeah. and trying to figure out. And I just solved it because we have modern materials that they didn't yeah, have. And I have dude. new tools they can't use so I can actually make this freaking thing that he, he couldn't update this way. Yeah. He couldn't do this with. So I make an articulating arm that's reinforced with steel and has a, you know, a pin glass. And it's like something that he maybe, maybe could have made. Not, yeah. Dude, I would not put anything past the ancient Chinese. They oh, did yeah. amazing stuff. But now I, it's so much easier for me just to kind of whip this up with my, my new tools and I yeah. can work all this metal super easy and, and do this. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I really do feel like in a weird way, I'm communicating yes, with, over that divide. Mm -hmm. And like run, running that's is another one, dude, where you're like, ah, it's hard, it's hard. And then one day it just gets better and better. You're like, my, my bones, my genes are connecting with that primitive yeah. guy, that dude who he did all that work so that I can do this work now exactly. and get this result. You and, know? and that's exactly what I had. Cause when I even read a book and like, then it awakens something inside of yeah. me where it's like, this person was on my, like, Whoa, I, I think, I think like them kind of, yeah. and then I'm like, Oh, they tried that. Like yeah. I'm going to go try that. That, that for me it's was like, learning Whoa. about the history of science, man. When I, when I finally got over my education, you know, issues, mm -hmm. which, which is not a problem with learning, but a problem with learning how to learn. Yeah. Once I, once I got over that, issue in my early 20s i started reading all about the history of science and just just absorbing it like like i was on the journey to to go from a primitive mind to like finding and i really i i do believe i have found some of these things but i, I believed at the time i could discover the underlying some of the underlying principles that people to this day the scientists don't understand oh, and if wow, you, yeah. i think that there's this this idea of knowledge where like there's these gatekeepers that have the knowledge and it's kind mm -hmm. of a bullshit idea yeah we're all here now we have all this ability to to glean whatever we can from from the information that's that's there it's it's mm -hmm. all there yeah it's all there for us at all times mm -hmm, yeah. so like you could you could there's no reason you couldn't discover you couldn't discover the next amazing thing that that people don't know yet. There's I mean there's out of that like, idea sphere. You can go and learn how to like build a nuclear reactor in your basement online. I mean yeah. you can go and take MIT classes online for free right now. Yeah. Like there's you, there's so much Dude, out there. What right if now. what if I found out a pattern of conversation that could open a portal into knowledge and could teach us things that we you know I mean I'm not saying I'm, I'm doing this but yeah. hey. We're we're all we're all on the verge of discovering this this next thing that we're going to be. We're yeah, exactly. all right there on that cusp. Yeah, we're all on the precipice of the unknown, yeah. and like so much more is unknown than people would realize. Like yeah. when they're surprised, like the fact that we know less about our ocean than space. It's yeah. like apply that to probably a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. I, I I'm I'm really looking forward to. I'm both uh, a little you know obviously a little scared. Uh, but try not to let fear rule the rule that, you know, mm -hmm. uh, frame the conversation uh, I'm having with myself. Yeah. And I, I'm just put myself into a world where I can control the things mm -hmm. and, and make what I want happen. Exactly. And that's the reality that I face all the time, which is like, they mm -hmm. say like, God, how can you be afraid of elevators or how can you be afraid, you know, like these, um, uh, these phobias. And it's yeah. like, Actually, for like elevators, certain things like the the like probability of dying. The real weird one is, which is okay, it's just odd, is how could you not be yeah. afraid of that? Because like yeah. we have these pervasive things that are hanging over our head of death. Like you, I could drive down, you know, a road from where I'm from. 
right? And yeah. I can see like three crosses on the side of the road, yeah. and I'm able to interact with somehow. This level that doesn't, of risk. It, yeah, it doesn't bother. Yeah, <laughs> right on by. It's Even though like, that's Whoa. yeah, if you looked, and I think this is a problem people are having right now is the idea of statistics and probabilities. Yeah, is like, oh my gosh, these people. Like you have to put things in context. You know, like. 200 people die a year of lightning strikes. Yeah. That's a lot more than you would think. Mm -hmm. That's like, so 2000 people get hit roughly and yeah. 200 die roughly a year. That's kind of a lot. Yeah, that is. But if you put it in perspective, obviously the number is so infinitesimally small, but there's so many of these things where we walk around and we just don't, we don't really think about these probabilities. You're way more likely like the people not to diss anybody mm -hmm. afraid of COVID, but the people who are like walking into the street to avoid other people on the sidewalk will, Cars kill a lot more yeah. people than walking next to somebody on the sidewalk, dude. Exactly. I'm sure of it. So maybe get your priorities a little more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's just like having, you know, a very uh, a proactive instead of a reactive um, way to assess, you know, your, your, your fear and the risk in your life. Yeah. And, and like that's super important. Yeah. And that's what I find with my own self is like just taking account of that and what's real, what's not real. Yeah. And you, you have like, it's not like risk removal it's risk right. mitigation yeah yeah and, just you know. manage that risk and know, know what it is like walk you know going into jujitsu every day we we risk oh, hurting yeah. ourselves because it's not okay can we go but we do it because of the benefit you know we do it for what it can give us so that's and that's the exact thing that's that push pull yeah, but yeah. is there anywhere that people could check out um about your bows or anything um yeah i'm just getting my website started so be patient but uh yeah. otherworldsarchery.com or uh, hit me up on instagram otherworldsarchery and uh, I would love to, my favorite is when people want to commission a piece, I would love to do, do a piece uh, specifically for a person that has meaning. Oh yeah. Uh, that'd be the best. And if anybody ever wants to commission a crossbow, if you, if you got a lot of uh, extra money laying around, I'd be happy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, if you just want a bow, I would be more than happy to build somebody a bow. Uh, I put the bows up on my website as I get them done and I don't always take them down when they're sold. So I'll update it as I can. Yeah. But if somebody just wants to hit me up and, and let me know what they want, um, I'm into it. Sweet. And I'll yeah. be sure to put all those links in the show notes and throw some pictures up of your, of your gear maybe. yeah a couple of uh i don't want to but when does this podcast come yeah. out uh this podcast come out in two weeks okay cool yeah. so uh, by this time uh a couple times plant people people know they have their uh their bows as presents so oh, a, couple yeah. of our, a couple of our black belts will be getting bows oh that'll be cool yeah man. that'll be cool as hell yeah. I can't wait. And they're 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 kind of on a matching theme the the two bows oh so, really yeah. that's so cool yeah, man yeah. Well, i can't wait to see them that's gonna be awesome dope, dude yeah Okay, sweet. Thank Work you. Right on, man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, this is absolutely. super fun. I appreciate it, man. And I feel like we could do this for another five hours, but yeah, we couldn't. We, we, could, we, kill us we both. should do a round two. Yeah, we should. We should. <laughs> Sounds good. Woo-wee! Thank you for listening to this episode of the Becoming Human podcast. Jake Keenom is he's a pretty cool guy. And I love listening to his progression into making custom um, archery equipment from crossbows to recurve bows. It's such a beautiful art. And you get a really impart an, an incredible experience on other people, you know, and being able to um, give your child their first bow to be to learn how to shoot with and build the confidence to maybe even like a hunting scenario where you're able to provide meat for your own family through this like the fruits of the labor of this craftsperson. Like, I just think it's beautiful, you know? You can admire something for its functionality and its art at once. I hope that you guys have a wonderful start to your 2021 if you're listening to this when it released. And if not, hope you're enjoying the backlogs. Ooh <laughs> uh, 
I'm really excited for what 2021 has to offer. It's starting off as a, a windy, whipping weather. And I kind of like that. A little bit of chaos to beat the drum. <laughs> I hope you guys are doing all right there. This past year has been very disruptive, to say the least. But with disruption comes the opportunity for a new sense of order. You know, within your own self and at large. So enjoy. I was born in a boxcar, colorblind, pigeon-toed, pockmarked, twisted figure, broken heart, they'd fix up I was born parts. in a four-story roach motel, with floor-to-ceiling agitations, wooden blocks, and a basic distaste for anything else. I was raised by else. a pack of wolves, nursed in our nation's capital, taught to hunt and gather food, and howl at the moon, and I was raised by pool. a slow jam, two grizzlies for a mother who cared, six packs of ramen, nostradamus, paranoia, and fear. I fell in love with a flim-flammer, charming con artist, sexy counterfeiter, pretty grifter, hidden ace, switchblade. I fell in love with the fingers. most beautiful vulture She picked away my flesh, I'm left with skeletons Welcome worn and tearing through like soldiers my only son a smoking gun Blue-eyed black chip on the first warm day to end the ice And she gave birth to a lion cub It's followed me for years now I'm mean about the age so I don't peek I know it's chewing on my fingers while I sleep I know it's stupid but it keeps without a leash And I've been trying to set it loose It seems it's freedom stripping me So I treat it like what it is I lay these eggshells to remember to be careful. You can find a swarm where the stingers hold back. You can find a warm spot and a cold snap. If you don't scratch when the itch just makes your hair stand tall. If it shakes you, but you won't fall down. You can find a swarm where the stingers hold back. You can find a warm spot and a cold snap. If you don't scratch when the itch just makes your hair stand tall. If it shakes you, but you won't fall. Justice can sleep for centuries to awake when it's least expected I never seen miraculous deeds fall on those who expect them Life ain't a dream, it's just a string of jokes all connected There's something beautiful to me in the act of making your own death bed We're up and smile at you, quick to watch you Suit and loose and unbutton like left me draw Love it raw, too tender, it's far too fierce for us Winter is almost here for us It's like July Hard to find traps when it's buried under so much decay Hard to find trail when it's buried under the pain This is the story of my trial by erosion of words Simple what's right, like who's just me life is We're walking, smiling, chalking, to our soul Super loose and unbuckled like that who's wrong Love it raw, too tender, it's far too fierce for us Winter is almost here for us It's like July you can find a swarm where the stingers hold back. You can find a warm spot in a cold snap. If you don't stress when the issues make your hair stand tall, if it shakes you, but you won't fall down. You can find a swarm where the stingers hold back. You can find a warm spot in a cold snap. If you don't stress when the issues make your hair stand tall, if it 